two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems! Mm. Tell us to fuck off. Oh, yeah, I'm either gonna give him a medal for bravery or I'm gonna have to escort him out myself. So. I'm not really sure whether you're a genius or a fucking sociopath, so I don't know what to do with you right now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean towards sociopath. I was going to lean towards sociopath, too, just because you watch as he's constructing his wiener straw, and he, like, sucks the meat out of the straw that he pulled out. Oh, please don't say sucking meat ever again. He sucked the meat so hard. <laughs> well, on that note, welcome back, everybody, to the Second Mouse Podcast. Sucking um, meat. To catch you all up on what we're currently discussing q recently attended the most recent yankees mets game i'm sorry mets yankees game That's where right. show some respect tom there was um the, the birth the birth the, of a legend well i was gonna say there was a technical term there was a lot of shenanigans and goings on at that game ranging from sports affiliated excitement to people ch- running on the field all the way up to somebody creating a straw out of tube meat. It's a real shit show. I also didn't mention that, um, you know how like they'll pan the camera around the crowd and all that. Um, and you know, get people dancing or whatever. There was one guy who was like working really hard to get people their attention. The minute he did it, he did the blow job, blow job mimic immediately <laughs> and you saw so fast how it literally just cut away from him so fast it well was... i mean see it's not original anymore and every camera guy is watching for it you know so they're just gonna cut instantly at this point well i mean yeah you could tell he was like he was working a little too hard to get their attention um but i got i was i was talking to tom earlier and um we were testing out my mic and everything i was telling him side talk was actually there last night um, I saw I saw people filming and I saw like a big crowd of people like celebrating and like chanting. You heard, you heard the bing bong and your head turned. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> so as I'm walking away, I'm like, I'm like, I can't really tell. I didn't see like spider cuz or anything, you know, <laughs> so I can't, I can't confirm that it was side talk. But like people were saying it was. But then all of a sudden I got about. I don't know, maybe two blocks away, walking back to the car and I heard fuck Trey Young. Fuck Trey Young. And I'm like, that's I talk. Yeah. For sure. Yes. <laughs> anyway, let's go let's get back to Glizzy Man here for a second. So for anybody who's not aware of this guy, they uh panned to a person looking like he was in a pretty good seat too. Glizzy Man. Um, he took a straw and forced it through the middle of a hot dog, which he probably paid fifteen dollars for. Um, at Yankee Stadium, he then proceeded to remove the inner part of it to turn it into a makeshift straw and then placed it in his beer and used it as a salty straw. So, Tom, what is the recommended sentence uh, for a person like this? Life, legend, get mo, get mo. 
He's got to go to Gitmo, man. A black like, site somewhere in get- Lebanon. <laughs> 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 got to get him out of here, man. Like that. There, there are things I'll allow at a ballpark that like you won't allow anywhere. Well, else. there was a there was a couple at uh, the Oakland Athletics game over the weekend that was um, that. receiving fellatio in the top yeah. deck. Very yeah. cool, very legal. Um, <laughs> very illegal, by the way. Don't do that. <laughs> but I does it does it count if it happens in the top deck? Well, I think the good thing is that it happened at the Oakland A's game, and there's nobody at an Oakland A's game, so except for those two people, so yeah. you know. Not like there were children around or anything. No one really goes there. Yeah, and that upper deck is like sixteen thousand feet in the air, so yeah. it makes sense. But I, I don't know why, but my mind went to the economics of this whole um, scenario about Glizzy Maine, where how much was that beer? Q ballpark for us. Um, I remember seeing a sign that was like sixteen bucks for okay, a, so you got a glass of beer. So sixteen dollar glass of beer. Yeah. How much do you think it would be for a hot dog? You said ten, maybe twelve dollars. Um, I I would guesstimate uh, that it was probably about like like I think they only do like combos there, so it's always like fifteen bucks for like a hot dog fry combo. So this man spent thirty dollars to make a straw out of a hot dog. Yeah. To drink his beer. With He'll, you know what, Tom, no. Tom, he'll never have to buy a hot dog ever again because the minute he shows up, they're gonna be like, That's the glizzy man. I, I do have to glizzy. ask, was is was that Steve Bartman in the witness protection program? I can neither confirm nor deny, um, if that was Steve Bartman, but he did interrupt a play, so it might have been Moises Alou was also in the audience and got really angry at this guy again. So, you guys are hating on Glizzy Mane, like this guy. This guy is like fucking legend. He's so fucking bold. He's so brave. Got a word. Unbelievably, really brave. I can't tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Were you wearing like you know those uh, masks in the Mission Impossible movies that like can mimic anybody else's faces? There's there's only one mask I wear, and (laughs) and you've all seen that mask, and you can't see my face when I wear that mask. Yeah, the mouth has a zipper too. Oh no! I wear two masks. I wear two masks. Gatto, I loved your work in Pulp Fiction. Thank you. It was fantastic. Oh man! So uh, Glizzy Maine has um, stolen America's heart right now. You know they he ripped it from the cold dead hands of Johnny Depp and um, fought Ron DeSantis for it, and he is now the toast of the town. Look in the Bronx. A true a visionary, a pioneer, if you will. I will say the people around had also kind of seen it, and there was genuine, like, disgust amongst most of the people there. So, would that qualify um, as if you see something, say something? Yeah, I was ready to. I I, I called the cops, and I was <laughs> like, "You got to come get this guy." And they told me to stop calling them, but like, I didn't. Sir, you know we what? can't just show up somewhere and shoot them. <laughs> we do that for other people. <laughs> That's our job, not yours. You know what? You guys are saying this shit now, but in like three months, you're going to be sitting at a party and someone's going to offer you a fucking hot dog and a bush light and you're going to fucking take it and you're going to thank them for it. Bush light. Yeah. The difference is, though, is that's probably going to be free. Yeah. You see, I am down with the the glizzy straw if I don't have to pay. This this just seems like a man. This just seems like a man with means. 
All right. He's he's basically just fucking he's got it like, like that. He's he's yeah, exactly. To to literally be able to use fucking somebody else's like meal just as an accessory to your beer. He says is the he, ultimate he... fucking baller move on you plebes. He that is the 21st century version of lighting your cigar with a $100 bill. Exactly. <laughs> I looked at him and I you know, like he was like looking around at people and they were like you don't use fucking hot dogs for your, as your straws, you fucking plebeians. Look, he's just trying to save the environment, all right? Plastic no, straws are no what? good. And Gatto? let's be honest, paper straws suck ass. Gato, you sold me. This man the, is you, ego you're saving, and he's rich as fuck. But you're you're saving the straws, but you're killing poor little pigs, or whatever whatever hot dogs are made out of. Probably not even pigs. Mm, various. Maybe teams. maybe it was one of those tofu fucking hot dogs. Well, the Yankees are a Hebrew national team, right? I'm not sure. I don't. So I don't, they'd be, they'd I, be I, I I hate. I have did such you, a disdain you for hot not, dogs. Did you go to that game and just not see anything? Did you I have? have su- like, I have such a disdain for hot dogs that I will avoid them at all. Do me a favor. Cost. Just log out. Log out. We'll take it from yeah. you. Sure. <laughs> nice, nice knowing you guys. This is this is a pro hot dog. If you ever see yeah, me eating, yeah. if you ever see me eating a hot dog, it's because I am blackout drunk. Dude, if we ever see Q eating Damn. a hot dog. We'll use that as like you know when people people are like blink if uh, your life yeah. is in danger. Yeah, exactly. That will so be that will be if cute I, to do. If I message you guys, man, I just had the best hot dog ever. I'm in fucking danger. Calling kidnapped. Call we need to call Liam Neeson because he's been taken. <laughs> call the police, please. Sir, how um, do you know that your friend has been kidnapped? He called you know, me saying how much he loved a hot dog. We'll send the SWAT team right over. We're, we're on our way. <laughs> Um, he made they reference they... to glizzy eating. <laughs> I was like, man, I really want a glizzy right now. Um, they do use premio sausage, though. They have like a, like a sausage hero that they do also, and it's premio, which is a pretty good product. And I had uh, it's premio, whatever. Fucking no, 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 I mean, like, it's good. Oh, okay. I thought I was saying it wrong. So, um, what what's... this podcast is brought to you by Premio Sausage. Today. Thank you. Yes, the official sausage hey. sponsor of the New York Yankees. Hey, listen. If you're if you have to get something from the supermarket and you don't have like a butch like an Italian like deli near you, it's you go Premio. You, you go, go Premio home. all day. Um, and uh, I will say I. I've been eating like super healthy for the last like month and I had a couple beers and they have uh, chicken fingers and garlic fries that I was like, it's going to happen. So talk to us about um, your night on the town in the Bronx. Like, did you just go there for the game? Did you go eat? We, uh, we went to the dugout beforehand. Uh, it's a bar that's kind of, I would say probably about a couple blocks away from the stadium um hung out there for a while you know a lot of mets and yankees fans uh, a lot of obnoxious drunks already um and you you know the you, when you go to a mets yankee thing and if you're in a bar like you know who the drunkest people are because they don't wear any like yankee or met anything yeah like so if they're just he was wearing a polo shirt this guy this guy was wearing like a polo shirt and that was it Dude, that's and that's just the New York alcoholic. Like, this fuck, this fucking guy. They don't walks, need a team affiliate. They're just hammered all. Exactly. Day long. Yeah. This fucking guy walks over to like where we're standing, like all you know, group of people I was with, 
and he's I'm take it looked like tequila, and he takes a shot, drinks half of it, puts it on our table, and then is like chewing on the lime and then throws it on our table, and then he threw it on someone's jacket and then like picks it up like oh I'm sorry and then throws it on the table again, and just walks away. And that guy like, just wanted that guy wanted a fight. Yeah, and and no one was willing to give it to him. Um, that that guy started a tab. He wanted to pick a fight. Yeah, thrown out of the bar, so you yeah. didn't have to pay his tab. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen move. though. Classic move. I'm not getting kicked out of a you know so bar so what you're saying there. so what you're saying is Glizzy Main came up to your table yes beforehand it, <laughs> to put it all to put it in all into perspective here this that was Glizzy Man. He just did all of this to spite you. This is all Glizzy Mane. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. I would challenge the notion that that's probably Glizzy Mane's like long lost brother. Yeah, and it's says, his, it's his apprentice. It's yeah, the it's man. Two ends of the like like weirdo spectrum. There, he he marinates his uh his hot dogs in tequila before he eats them. So, and you know what the thing is though, that guy probably works at like HSBC and customer service. Yeah, I feel like I've been to a bar that actually uses like fucking hot dogs as a soak for their in-house tequila it adds a smokiness <laughs> to it yo but this place and they though, charge you double for that shit this place is pretty fucking genius though um it's called the dugout it's so you go into the bar there's a taco bell next door now like that sounds meaningless right but you go into the back room and there's a little window in the bar area and you can order taco bell brilliant it's brilliant fucking brilliant one of the things i do like about around Yankee Stadium is there are a few awesome little gems like that. Um, if you go up the street from the McDonald's... That um, McDonald's is ridiculous once you it, leave. It's a very uh, ridiculous McDonald's. But if you go up the street a little bit, there's a bodega. And if you go into that bodega... We went um, in there that one time. Yeah, you go we in and yeah. there's a back door and it'll take you into this like preserved area that... like. Mm -hmm is for basically pre-gaming and it's an awesome time. They usually like on the weekends and stuff, they'll have like pong set up. People will be passing around joints and whatnot. You're drinking, having a great time. Like it's, it's actually pretty awesome. Like that area does have some cool stuff. If you know where to go and where to look. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really see any like animosity, like you normally would see in this type of like, I remember ten like ten years ago, I went to a Yankee Met game, and this kid was wearing a Red Sox hat and had a Pedro Mets jersey on, and I was like, he was jawing me the entire night. What and I was tool. like so close to I, I, getting into a fight at Yankee Stadium. I want to say you probably would have seen more of that if this game meant more to both teams, but both teams are kind of crushing it. Well, Yankees. Yankees have been in a little bit of slump, but they're coming out of it. They're they're I mean, you know, yeah, they've 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 been awful uh since the trade deadline and their trade deadline target, Frankie Montez, has been an embarrassment. Um but meanwhile, Jordan Montgomery is four and oh. Joey Gallo is is crushing home runs for the Dodgers. They, yeah, but they he have, really they... did not want to be there though. No, no. <laughs> But but uh yeah no it's it's been it's been about as bad as it can get but the for context purposes they're still eight and a half games over I think the Blue Jays who's their they're gonna game. win that division easy they could I hope 
they could stumble for like another two weeks and be fine. Yeah, I just I just wish it wasn't such a like the, the it's just so funny that this team cannot be like average. They're either crushing it and like unbelievable or they're just the worst team you've ever seen. Yeah. So, it's just there's no so that that leads you to believe that like in the playoffs again, we're either going to crush everybody and walk into another championship or first round exit. So, hmm. That could be kind of frustrating as a fan to watch. I, yeah, I would assume you're gonna be frustrated. But it was a lot of fun, though. I had uh, I had a lot of fun last night, um, and it was it was kind of, I got to see an Aaron Judge home run up close, which I don't think I've ever seen. So that was that was nice. Nice. Uh, do we want to transition to from one dumpster fire in the borough? <laughs> Fuck. To another one <laughs> in the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I wanted to. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about it. Tom, what, give us a give us some context. Yeah, what, what's the dumpster fire? I'm just yeah. Else, so, so um, was it like right around the end of June that Kevin Durant requested a trade from the Nets, and yeah. he has effectively demanded that he doesn't want to play for this team anymore. He wants to go somewhere else. Uh, the trouble for Kevin, however, is that he signed a four year, hundred ninety eight million dollar extension last year that Poor just guy. kicked in. Yeah. Sorry about you. Um, he wanted to get Steve Nash fired. He wanted to get Bobby Marks. Is that the GM? He wanted I to believe, get, I, I believe so. He wanted to get the GM fired and he wanted to talk with the owner to like plead his case as to why he should be traded. And the owner was like, no, I'm not doing any of this. And it just goes to show in some cases, there are players who can get away with this in the NBA, that they can, you know, force the ownership or the management's hand to, you know, sign players or trade for guys. But it's a very narrow and select group of individuals that are able to do it and get away with it and ultimately be successful at it. And it was just interesting to see how effectively humbled Kevin Durant was today, where he's like, I want to work with this team now. So... There, I'll stop talking. Made, I'll let you guys go. No, no. It's just somebody had made a point on Twitter, and I, I, I can't remember who it was. So I'm sorry for that person. Um, that like, has anyone, has any superstar had less like juice than Kevin Durant at this point? Because I mean, like, I, I mentioned to you, Tom, that Marcus All got a coach fired. Yeah. In, so I mean, Marcus All, great player. Don't get me wrong. It's not Kevin Durant. And I mean, Kevin Durant was like. You shared that meme with us. Like, I want, I want Steve Nash fired. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want this. No, okay, I'll play for you. Great, see you next year. You know, it's like he's he he couldn't. Steve Nash. I mean, I don't know how close you guys were following the Nets towards the end of the last year. Steve Nash. I thought he was like. I thought he had a coloring book for like a play sheet. Like he was so overmatched. And like you have Kyrie Irving, you have Kevin Durant. You had uh, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. Was DeAndre Jordan still on that team at the point? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I think another like another guy had signed there. And, I'd like, like to they, point out that Ben Simmons was kind ben, of creeping around there too, not playing because that play, why? Because yeah. no, because like why would he do that? Like exactly, you you can just sit there and collect the paycheck. I mean, king. Stuck king. Hose. <laughs> what a king. I mean, just just like fleecing the 76ers, fleecing the Nets. I hope he does it again this year because, like, 
it's incredible. But no, but like, I mean, like, have you have we seen any other superstar? Like, Kobe would have killed Steve Nash. It's Kobe's before birthday. He let him... Happy birthday to the king. Happy birthday, Kobe. Um, I mean, would, would Kobe Bryant? I think Kobe Bryant would have killed Steve Nash before allowing him to coach that team ever again. I think this is the problem, though. And this is what happens when you have players choosing who their coaches are going to be rather than the management coaching who their player, who their coach is going to be. And Kyrie and Kevin Durant said, we want to have Steve Nash because, you know, reasons. Yeah, for reasons. And ultimately, the reasons were this guy's not going to bother us. He's going to let us do whatever we want. Mm. Well, when James Harden is gone, when Kyrie Irving is refusing to play for reasons, and then Kevin Durant is hurt again, and Ben Simmons saw something like in the, in, the men's bathroom that scared him or whatever. Like he saw a ghost or some shit like that. So he can't play for 35 games. Um, now your coach actually has to fucking coach and everybody else in that team is old and run down or not talented because they basically had to clear the deck for all these guys. Yep. Got I mean, you can say something. Go. I, I would make the argument that like coaching starts even before you hit the fucking wood floor, you know? in basketball and the fact that you couldn't get these players to get on the on on the court together right there you're already failing before you're even starting so of course you're going to be doomed with whatever players you got left because you're letting all the other shenanigans off the court dictate how your game goes you're never going to win you never i mean surprisingly whatever they did there the thing is about this team, though, is they had so much talent on this team like three years ago, and there was a they had a nice little run into the playoffs. Young, young talent, too. young talent, good team. They had um, a bunch of guys that they drafted. They were able to pick up some guys that teams didn't want. D'Angelo Russell being one of them. And I remember reading a couple of articles like there's a really cool vibe and edge to this team it feels like a college team because these guys are so young and they're willing to work with each other and then they just fucking blew it up to get kevin durant and kyrie irving two of the most mercurial people on a basketball court who now one of them is gone and the other one doesn't want to be there and they've just basically stolen money from this fucking team for two and a half years yeah specifically jared allen and karis levert who were really good players for this team and and now I, I didn't. Uh, I think. Uh, I think Jared Allen made uh, an All Star last year with the Cavs. So. Yep. I I have a conspiracy theory about the NBA. Ooh, interesting. When too many young players are on a roster somewhere and they start looking good, the older like big names will show up and decimate that team, break it, <laughs> break it to pieces, so that so that it keeps them relevant, right? Like, it, it, it's so funny because they they cleared the deck for um, James Harden, and he could not have looked more disinterested in going there. Yeah, I and mean, despite the fact that you already had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving signed and all that, he just didn't seem into it. And I don't think he wanted to leave Houston. It it likens. Oh, sorry, Q. No, no, you're all good. Yeah, no, I was just saying. It just it just seemed like it was like a really just pointless trade it it likens to like when they sign like an act in vegas and like someone's just like living out their career there they don't really care they're not invested (laughs) they've made all their money yeah they just got like this deal at like you know the 
whatever the uh, the Bellagio to do, you know, four shows a week or whatever, and they're just gonna live there and go to the buffet, fucking before and after, and just get filled up on fucking fillet and lobster tail. I think you made a good point though, Gatto, in the sense that whenever there are veteran players who are like at a star level or they're just starting to peak off, they'll look at a young team and say, I want to play there. And they'll like cause a commotion to get on that team, completely forgetting the whole reason as to why that team is good in the first place. And then like three or four of these guys get traded off of that team and then they suck. And they're like, well, this team's not any good anymore. No shit, Sherlock. You and did in a lot type. of, in a lot of ways, the trade itself will cause a lot of that exodus, but also you can see like a frustration level with like a vet player who's looking at a guy who's like 20 years old and is like, why aren't you like mature enough and smart enough and like all this? Like, well, because he's fucking 20. Yeah. I, I do worry though that it's a little bit more nefarious as a money grab because by blowing up these teams, they stay relevant longer. And they get more contracts and last long as long as they diffuse the young talent amongst the league. Well, I mean, if the if if the roster is full of young guys like league minimum deals and like, you know, early draft pick deals, they're still pretty low in terms of how much like money they are throughout the years. So it gives that individual a lot of flexibility to come in and demand twenty eight, twenty nine million dollars a year because there's cap flexibility there versus a team that has veterans on it and there's not a whole lot of room to move. I, I would take the risk and honestly just pay the younger guy every time. Like they might not pan out in the end, but like they're still younger and they're still in that system to begin with. Right. I would agree. It just, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's just a, a, a problem across the NBA, though, is there's just a general unwillingness to be patient with one players and two coaches. And the shelf life for coaches seems to be like two years. Yep. And the shelf life for seeing how good a player is is like two years. And I think that's starting to change a little bit with the G League. And you see more guys coming up and being productive. But I... I you have these guys, you have players coming out that are 19 years old and they've played professional basketball for a very brief period of time. They played college basketball. Let's say they played at Kentucky. They're playing SEC opponents, but at the same time, they're still playing goons. And not everybody who plays on the Tennessee or Florida or South Carolina team is going to the league. Shit, maybe one of those guys will. So, yeah. I think more than any other sport, there's less time that's given to these guys to develop. And it's unfortunate because some of these guys have real talent. They just can't get on the court or get the coaching that they deserve. But then again, I don't know how much like actual in-game coaching is effective for players. I think it's more of like the, the learning and development and the training side of it that really, where it really matters. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, a big part of even making it into the NBA is that you're so refined already that, it's not so much coaching as much as it's managing, right? I would agree. So I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's um, Tom. I want to get your thoughts for a second. Um, this uh, the situation with uh, the Knicks going on and Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think the Knicks are playing it well. I think the I think the Knicks are playing it smart. Um, they apparently the recent offer that they threw at the 
the Jazz was um, Evan Fournier to make the contracts work and everything like that. And who cares, right? Yeah. Obi Obi Toppin. And then five picks. So I think it would be the three whatever picks that they already have, like the Milwaukee 2025 pick. And like, I think they have a Detroit pick and Washington pick. And then I would guess 23 and 25 unprotected. Um, Obviously the jazz are like, no, because they got four unprotected picks for Rudy Gobert. So, but the Knicks clearly understand that they are the only team that has the necessary ammo without a third team involved to just get Donovan Mitchell. Like any, any trade that they take from any other team will be less than based upon the amount of ammo. The only other team that has more ammo than the Knicks right now is the Thunder, but obviously the Thunder in a rebuilding stage are not going to go after Donovan Mitchell. So it's, it's not going to happen. So really it's either take a worse offer or take the Knicks offer pretty much. And like, and I think it was a, uh, they were saying on ESPN the other day they they like ninety five percent of the league expects that Donovan Mitchell will be a Knicks soon. What is the most you'd be willing? Like, are you willing to part with a guy like um, Grimes or IQ or Obi Toppin, even in a combination? What what is your limit as far as what you would give up? I don't want it. I don't want him. You don't want him at all. No, because he ultimately does not solve the point guard problem. Well, they they did sign um, the kid from uh, Jalen Brunson. Yeah, Yeah, they signed Jalen Brunson. Right. But Donovan Mitchell plays point guard in Utah, and he is not a passing point guard. That's the problem that they've had for a very long time is they don't have a guy who is able to distribute the ball and be okay with it. Like when this team was really good, they had really smart, really capable point guards who were not really concerned about – filling up the points scored side of it when it was, I mean, Raymond Felton, when he was there the first time, um, he, he had a great run for like, right. uh, like a half a season. And then yeah. it was just like, Oh, he's done because his job oh. was, his job was to <laughs> distribute the ball around and move it around. And then when, um, even when Jason Kidd was here for a brief period of time. Again, another great half season. And then he was like, oh, he's 40 and he can't hold this up the rest of the way. Like, Yeah. Well, it. that's why they got Mike Bibby and their whole backcourt was like 48-year-old <sighs> dudes. Is it just that like New York life is twice as fast as anywhere else? So like half it's a, a season. It's a New York minute, season. baby. Well, exactly. I mean, for <laughs> Jason, <York>. Kidd, <laughs> Jason Kidd literally retired after that season and coached so the, the following year. So you can tell how like – out of it he was at that point. How many crazy cocaine parties he was going yeah, to on exactly. But well, I wanna I wanna bring up something real quick though, Tom, because there was an interesting development. Um the athletics uh Tony Jones had mentioned that with people in the know as far as the Knicks are concerned, that Tom Thibodeau apparently would rather deal RJ Barrett in that in that trade for Donovan Mitchell than Quentin Grimes. And I found that to be weird. It's like, would you rather eat eels or eat slugs? <laughs> Listen, you, Tom, you know. Answer that question first. I mean, I've had my... Eels or slugs first, Tom. <laughs> eels or slugs. Gotta be eels. Yeah, okay. it's eels. It's always eels. It's eels. But um, I, I will say, I will preface this conversation that I was critical of R.J. Barrett for an extended period of time. And I've been a Barrett defender since day one. You have. And it looks like he's turned a corner in a yes. number of ways. Yep. 
I still don't I, I don't like the deal on principle solely because of what we just talked about. Like, why are we gonna trade away all these guys that were first round draft picks for a guy for one guy who does not pass the ball and just shoots uncontrollably? I agree with you. Um, his numbers, his percentages are not good. Instead and- of taking somebody from another team and hoping they work in New York, why not develop the people that you have? I mean, I if they can find a way to get rid of – is Julius Randle still on the team? Yes. So I was going to bring that up as well. There was a – Give a- him to Spectrum. Shit. Do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Well, so Tommy Tommy Beer, uh, if you don't follow Tommy Beer on Twitter, he's awesome for like Nick stuff, analytics stuff, um, and he's pretty tapped in. I think um, he had kind of put out a potential three way trade that he thought of that would send Julius Randle to the Lakers. And, Back with the Lakers, baby. Yeah, and I think it would send it would send it would have sent Cam Reddish and Deuce McBride to the jazz and then like picks. So it, and I think like two unprotected and then a bunch of like, we're going to put stipulations on this. Now I don't think the jazz would take that. Um, but like, I would be cool with that. If we can keep Grimes, if you're telling me we can keep Grimes and keep RJ and all those guys, I'm not going to argue. I just, I've seen this go down so poorly for the Knicks so many times where they trade for somebody and it doesn't work out. They trade young talent, unproven talent to a guy, to a team where the team basically fleeces them. I mean, even with Carmelo, I mean, like, listen, nobody from that Carmelo trade other than um, Jamal Murray, who they drafted with one of our picks. Mm -hmm. um, They haven't really worked out. None of those guys worked out. I love Wilson Chandler. I love Gallinari and all those guys. But, like, they, they never ended up becoming superstars or anything like that. No. But, like, that team, which was playing well under Mike D'Antoni, you add you got rid of those guys so the depth was gone, and then you're adding Carmelo, who was just like, I'm going to ISO in a game, in, a, in an offense that needs ball movement. It just was like a death. It, it was just a death note added to it. So Here's my other concern, too, is that, this would make more sense if this team won 55 games last year. If they were missing a piece, because what is what is Donovan Mitchell going to get you like from a war, I don't, from a war perspective? Wins above replacement. Who does he, well in the playoffs? He's one of the best like shooters in the playoffs in the last few years. I saw a stat that like him and Steph Curry have like some of the best numbers as far as like playoffs. So he's he apparently he's money in the playoffs, but that would mean something if the Knicks were getting to the playoffs. <laughs> right. Right. I, I, there's, I think there's a level of psychology here for, for like, like Nick fans, they, they need to, they need this. They really, they're, they're so hungry for it that like they need a player like this to, basically just feel better about it, the it happens and, and you're right and it happens every few years we we finally make some progress and then the nick psyche kicks in and it's like we gotta we gotta give all our picks away and it's like to andrea bargnani <laughs> they traded a first round pick for andrea bargnani they traded a lot of picks away for him the son so, of pt barnum and bailey <laughs> former first round first overall pick andrea bargnani so who's now a just, DJ? Isn't he? Uh, a DJ I was gonna now? say I thought he did opera. 
I, I, <laughs> I think he's. I, I believe he's a DJ now. I think he's got the voice for it for sure. But my thought is like it took, it took as an example. I'm not saying this is the rule. It took Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green a couple of years to get acclimated to the league and get good. I think right. it wasn't until who was it Curry's third year where he really like started to become the Steph Curry that we know now. And it took a coach to be able to get them there. I don't necessarily know that Tom Thibodeau is that guy. Tom Thibodeau might be a bridge to that guy. But I think if they give up on the young talent now, like I'm I'm almost all they go right back to where they were. I'm almost all the way out on Tibbs because of how much he was playing Alec Burks over IQ last year. Yeah. Not ideal. I think a lot of people, you know, like I had a lot of respect for Tibbs for a long time because of what he did when he was in Chicago and whatnot. In Boston. Uh, and Boston, yeah. And at the same time, I'm like, but what did he really do? You know, like is he's it, also is... he's also known for running his player his star player into the ground. Uh, if you remember Derek Rose when he yeah. tore his ACL was a game that they were winning in and it, it was one minute left in the game and he had Derrick Rose on the floor. They were up by like 12. I, think. I, I didn't remember a player until like Zion or Anthony Davis that had as much like, like clout coming into the league as Derrick Rose. Like everyone was like, this guy is the he, man. Like he's he was the consensus number one pick. Like yeah. him was, and Joe Kim Noah. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I loved I love that Chicago Bulls team. Like I, I love that team. I, I just, really like Duel Dang on that team. Well, because like <laughs> it was it was it was the same time in which LeBron went to Miami. Yeah. And like Joe Kim Noah was always perfect for a soundbite. Was like they're just all Hollywood and like they just like they just want their championships handed to them and like you gotta come through us first. Uh who else was on that team? Boozer? I think Carlos Boozer, yeah, Carlos um, definitely Taj, definitely Taj Gibson, you know, Taj Gibson, yeah, he was a Thibodeau favorite. Who was ben Gordon too was he on that yeah, team? I think so, yeah. I wonder if the problem the Knicks are having is the same problem Tom mentioned earlier of the the patience level two year thing, and I wonder if there's an expiration date of patience on Thibodeau, and that's the exit for all of this if we can't give you the pieces now to do it you're never going to do it so this is your this is your exit well you know you know you make a great point Gato, and it is it, it was because year one with tibbs the number one defense in the nba made the playoffs as the fourth seed and then last year was a disaster and all they did was add people they added evan fournier who was like an outside shooting presence um and we solved your up, problems and you did worse yeah exactly how do you become a worse team when you add talent to it. And that was the question. And then all of a sudden you're seeing like Derrick Rose gets hurt. And then Alec Burks, who's a off ball two guard is playing point guard. And he, he's not a point guard and playing a lot of minutes too. And, and he's playing 40 minutes a game in which you have Emmanuel quickly and Deuce Mc, you had Deuce McBride in the G league. So he was down in the G league. He was putting a triple double up every single game. And Knicks fans are like, put IQ as a starter, right? Call Deuce McBride up and let him. And at this point, we're losing so many games anyway. It doesn't matter. Get the reps. Get the reps in and let them see. If, and then what happened at the end of the year, Tom? Deuce IQ's putting up triple doubles. Obi Toppin scoring 30 points a game. 
And it's like, maybe we would have now granted a lot of team, it was bad teams and we would have, and you know, a lot of teams were resting their starters, but like, who knows? Maybe we would have beat, maybe we went on a run with these young guys and we would have reps matter. Reps matter in the NBA more than any other sport. Not, not only that, if you got nothing going for you and you get something going, that momentum lasts as long as, and, and that is sometimes all it really takes. It's not so much even a matter of the talent or the skill. It's a matter of the momentum that you've developed. I will also say, too, Knicks fans are so fucking starved for a moderately mediocre team. They would go and watch like a 41 and 40 team or a 38 and 44 team. Knicks fans are so thirsty, they will literally suck a beer through a glizzy. So, so uh, I want to pivot for a second, Tom. Um, I want to ask you a question about your Washington Commanders. Uh, So it was just reported that Chase Young um, has been placed on the reserve pup list, and he's going to miss the first four games of the season. Now, pair that with he got hurt last year. He only had a sack and a half through a bunch of games. Um, Are you worried about – what Chase, like is he trending towards bust with you, or would are you hopeful, more hopeful that once he gets healthy, he'll be starting to hit his peak? Personally, I'm more, I'm more bullish on him just dealing with a lot of the the classic NFL kind of injuries. And keep in mind, like I'm not, again, not the rule, more of like an like an example. But T.J. Watt or J.J. Watt was also hurt for a lot of his career as well and was still dominant and able to make plays. Um, I would be more concerned if, like, it was another season that was lost, but I think injuries are so – did they say how it happened? I didn't watch the Chiefs game. Was he involved in that? He uh, he tore his uh, yeah so it was, it was actually against the Bucks uh, in November he had tore his ACL and MCL which is so he's coming back from an injury that's a, a tough nine one month. yeah nine, and that, that was what Saquon had two years ago so the year you come back it's always actually like you're not you're not 100 percent so my the way that I would define success for him this year is if he's able to play the remainder of the games and be a distraction and let the other guys on the defensive line and the linebacking core really try to like eat up a lot of like one side of the offensive line or just cause chaos, cause problems, make people have to move around. I mean, I, I I think this is probably a six and 11 team to begin with. So I don't think they're going to be losing a whole lot with him not being there. Um, I think the defense for, Washington is usually never the problem because they always hire fucking defensive coordinators to be their head coaches. The problem is defensive always coordinators, defensive attorneys. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, that would hurt my feelings if I didn't agree with you. <laughs> um, the problem is, is the offense is historically always shit. And, you know, they have, an offspring of North Turner who's calling plays. Like, I mean, I guess that's cool. Good gimmick. But, but there's no like there's no juice around this team, or at least there's not any that I've been paying attention to. Carson Wentz is blah. Honestly, if they know this team's gonna suck this year, just play Sam Howell. Like I've seen Tyler Heineke, I've seen Taylor Heineke, I've seen Carson Wentz with his big stupid face. Um 
<laughs> play the guy who has played a majority of the minutes in the preseason. And I mean, looking at his stat line from the Chiefs game, it was decent. Like, let's Listen, fucking go. I, I, let's I've try it seen, out. I've been watching a lot of his reps, and were they hate watching? He, he no, I, I I liked Sam Howell a lot coming out, so it was bittersweet when I saw him going to the commies because I was like, no, the, the worst possible, and and also getting him in what the fifth round was like. Disgusting. Oh, they stole him. Um, so you know, for me, it was kind of tough, but like, uh, he looks good though, and I think I think you make a good point about that. Question about Chase uh, Young mm-hmm. was. The fact that they put him on because the injury looks like it's it's worse, like his his healing is not good in comparison, or is it that he hasn't gone fully back up the step? And I think it's wise for them to take this move of if he's not near one hundred percent, let him sit for a month anyhow. Because if you had him starting but you weren't playing him much, it's just causing controversy. Because that's all they're going to fucking talk about, especially if you're losing games. I would, and- uh, yeah, I, I I would agree with you on that one, Gatto. I think if this was a playoff team, there'd be like a greater push, and I, I'm afraid of that yeah. because remember the last time they had a first overall pick or a first round pick, effectively forcing their way into the starting eleven, which was RG three post ACL injury, wanted to play, demanded to play played was horrible that year because he wasn't healthy so i mean i don't blame washington for taking the slow walk approach and honestly i feel like the nfl is such a is such a league of like going on a run that the first four games could be like they could end up one and three and then finish what 10 and seven or something like that and then squeak into the playoffs or i don't i think if they were a competitive team i think there'd be more of like a a push for chase young to play probably internally too, but they're going to be booty this year. So I'm not really worried about it. Speaking of uh, teams that will be booty this year, Gatto, uh, you watched the giants game like I did. And I, Tom, I, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to get your advice on this, Tom, too. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw Tom, the block on Kayvon Thibodeau that resulted in a sprained MCL. Everyone thought for a second that he's, got a torn ACL. I was very happy when I heard that the card had came came out and that he had basically waved him off and said, no, I'm I'm fine. I'm walking back. And it it just ended up being sprained. Everything's intact. So the blocker in question was um, tight end Thaddeus Moss, son of Randy Moss. He's trying Thaddeus Moss. Yes. (laughs) Former LSU uh, uh, during the Joe Burrow. So did Kayvon Thibodeau just get mossed? You got mossed, yeah. You got it. Damn. So son. there's there's been a lot of back and forth about whether or not it was a dirty block or not. And Gatto, I want to kind of start with you. And and I don't, you know, again, we we played football at high school level, so we're not, you know, aficionados here. But I think we know. I think the eye test is pretty easy when we can kind of tell whether or not something's dirty or not. I do want to clarify that it's not an illegal block. No. So um, what do you think? I think it, I think it's incredibly bad sign when that's the type of block you're trying to take in a preseason game. Um, because that kind of like 
this is not for keeps. This is not an important game. This is to get reps, to get that, you know, get some real hits in um, before the real pressure is on, right? And if you're planning on taking blocks like that through the season, you're going to get burned nine times out of ten. So I think it's just an incredibly unathletic way to solve your blocking problem, especially in preseason. And a coach is going to look at that and go, next time that could cost us fucking 10 yards on a winning drive. People have argued that have defended Thaddeus Moss saying that he's trying to make a roster. He's not a guaranteed roster spot on the Bengals. And that he's trying to make a play. I don't know if if that's actually going to make you a spot on the roster because – Diving at somebody's ankles, anyone could fucking do that. Pay yeah. me a million dollars, I'll fucking dive at anybody's ankles. That's not a fucking. We, we've problem. had it done. We've had it done to you know. We've had a, teams do that. Pretty much go for your knees. Yeah, and and honestly, it was it's such a very fine line between that and an illegal chop block. Yeah, what, what he did, especially um, that like, I I guess if the play is called that way, you know, then he did the right job, but. It really it's so Carl, I wanna before Tom, before I get your opinion on this, I, I wanna I think Carl Banks, who does uh you know, former giant and uh, obviously does the radio broadcast for them, he made a great point and he said that it's it was quote not a dirty play per se, it was a dirtbag play. That's and I good. think that kind of puts a perfect sentiment on it. Like, yeah, it's legal. But you could have went right for his torso. You could have went right into his solar plexus and like knocked the wind out of him. And I think that would have been a better block. You want to no, you want to make that team. Low. You yeah. want to make that team. You're worried about making that team. You fucking pancake fucking Kayvon Thibodeau up high, and you yep. show that team why you should be on that roster. You don't. And he doesn't. Don't he doesn't even have. Out. I don't think he would be able to pancake Thibodeau. Just being honest. But like, how great Try. would it have been though if you? knock him back like you don't have to knock cave on Thibodeau out to get a get a roster spot you would be able to just you make you make him, him essentially back. ineffective during that play and you've 100%. done your job exactly. whatever it is and, and you yep. don't have to you don't have to resort to taking him out in that sense yeah, yeah I, I agree on that so I I agree with all of you um but for the sake of the argument the question that I have is what was Kayvon Thibodeau's response to that block? Like, what did he think? He has, he hasn't commented on it and okay. smart, smartly he hasn't. Um, he may in the future and he may be after this comes out, uh, you know, after we record this, but uh, as of right now uh, they saw him in the uh, back, I think it was uh, Jordan Renan, who's an ESPN beat reporter for the giants. They saw him. He just asked him how he was doing. He said, I'm good. You know, no worries. And uh, yeah. that was it. So, I, I mean, I, I think like if. Oh, oh, I, oh, I will point out, though, Kayvon Thibodeau has not said anything about it, but Cowboys uh, star linebacker Mike Parsons to come out and said the NFL has to ban those type of blocks. So I'll just want to throw that out there. Then the NFL should ban those kind of blocks. I'm not saying that I agree with the block that um, that Moss utilized and the, the methods to do it. The unfortunate reality is until you ban it, people are going to still utilize it. And you can call it a dirt flag play all you want. Well, it's still a play. Um, And again, I'm not defending it. I think it's pretty shitty, especially for the preseason where all these guys don't want to play fucking preseason games. Why are you doing this? I get that um, Randy Moss's son is trying to make the team. I think there's better ways to make the team than doing some shit play like that. Like, 
you could probably catch a pass down the field, catch a touchdown, like do other things that will like be actually beneficial yeah. to the team than having the fucking golf cart come out and pick up the number one pick for the dra- for the Giants and take them off the field before an official snap is even played. So all that to be said, like if the league and the players are that upset by it, then the league and the players should act on it and ban that shit. It's pretty easy to spot, right? It's not like it's not like somebody reaching underneath the jersey in the in middle of a scrum or when the offensive and defensive linemen come together. These are pretty clear cut. Like you don't need to instant replay that shit. When everybody sees it, everyone knows it. Yeah. Like sucking beer out of a hot dog. Exactly. <laughs> Got to, I want I want to talk about Kenny Galladay for a sec. What a hunk of shit. <laughs> All right, Tom. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, it. I'm not far away. Like, listen, it's preseason, and I'm willing to, like, ignore the struggles in a preseason game. And it's going to – at the end of the year, I'll make my assessment on, on the Kenny Galladay contract. But while we're kind of reviewing, right, so he's been – there's been a lot of back and forth about what's wrong with Kenny Galladay. He did have a surgically repaired hip the year before he signed with the Giants. He was out most of the year with the Detroit Lions. He did come back for a little bit, but kind of was hampered. There has been sentiment that apparently maybe his hip is never going to be 100% again, and and he may be hampered by that. If you remember in Detroit, he was a deep threat, made a lot of big plays. Uh, But then again, Matthew Stafford has a way of making receivers. So there are some people who have argued that it was he's a, mass, a bit of a kingmaker. Yeah, he's he's a kingmaker when when it comes to receivers. Now, Galladay signed a pretty sizable contract, four years, seventy-two mil. He had zero touchdowns last year, but I think we all excuse that last year was a dumpster fire under Joe Fudge, so we just kind of like forget it. He comes in this year, and there's been talk about him kind of dogging in practice, and. I'm of the mindset that when it comes to a receiver, you want to get as many full speed reps in practice because it's the only way to, you know, simulate like actually beating a corner or a safety over the top, right? Like you can't simulate that any other way other than in practice. And he just looks like he's just kind of taking it easy. And if he shows up on Sunday and gets 10 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, I don't care. But, like, ultimately, he hasn't produced. So I think my main question is, where do you – I was wondering where where the question was. Right. I'm just trying to give some (laughs) – well, I'm just trying to give some – I'm trying to give some overview here because I think it is important because I'm not sure exactly what's wrong with him. Um, Your level of concern, where where is it right now with him? I mean, my level of concern is specifically that, like, I don't know – if we have any pieces really for con- like an offense to to really work with here, you know, like I I like if we're gonna talk about underperforming, like we could talk about Saquon not having great years uh, since he's come back either and underproducing, um, which you know again like that's a that goes back to the fact that we had Joe Fudge and. You know, McAdoo was not a good head coach. Um, Jason Garrett. And, yeah, Jason Garrett. Fucking librarian. um, Most most liked guy with the least amount of, uh, I I guess, 
I, I can't even say football talent, but like, yeah, just like, you know, he's apparently a hit at the fucking at the golf tournaments and what has you. But he's very he, well liked amongst a lot of people. Yeah, but like that's that's where it kind of ends because he's just not a winner. He's he couldn't do it with like one of the fucking most godly football teams in the Cowboys. Like you're not going anywhere and making that happen elsewhere. Yeah, I think people forget also that like they stripped him of playing calling duties like five or six years before he got fired. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It was all to- there's there just altogether a lot of bad decision making there. Um, maybe deliberately. Maybe this was the Giants pulling a Dolphins. Who fucking knows? Um, I I just like is Galladay responding to like. I mean, let me first respond with with this is that I think like just from the logical point of that, if you do have surgery on your hip, it will never be the same again, just for the sheer fact that they had to do something to fix your hip. Right. So it was in a lot worse of a way and they've tried to do as much as they can to make it better. And I know they've come a long way with hips, but I don't know. Like that, that's something for like a 70 year old person. They've come a long way with hips for someone who's on a football field getting, you know, slammed into the fucking turf on a regular basis. Totally different story. I will say he's what the most veteran receiver on that team right now. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes, by, yes. by a lot. Um, yep. Cause what I would say is he, he's the top receiver. He's the top receiver. He is listed at the top. He is listed at the top of the depth chart as far as uh, it's concerned. But yeah, the the problem also is like I don't you know in that preseason game his name did not come up at all. And he, uh, the funniest thing is that they said he had the best week of practice he's had and maybe as a giant. And he played like twenty one snaps, zero targets, nothing. He was invisible the entire night. And Colin Johnson, who is in, I think it was like a late round pick um, that they picked up off waivers. He's like a six six receiver, looked quite good. He's looked really good throughout the preseason. So and he kind of plays that X role that Galladay does. I mean, again, you got your veteran, and yeah, one puts real quick. You got your veteran and. You, you don't really need to get him the looks before the season begins as much as you need to get the looks for the other guys. True. Yep. So there's always that, you know. Yep. Um, I'm not saying I'm, like, tolerant. You're, you're expressing a little optimism that maybe he when the season gets started, he might come on. I mean, I'm not picking him up for my fantasy league. That's I'm not, not either. Yep. Tom. Tom. <laughs> I hear your concerns as Giant fans. I want to point out two things, though. This team has never been known as like an offensive powerhouse team. It's always been defensive focused. Those two championships they won, 2007, 2011, always. Not, 20, not 2011. 2011, they were the 31st ranked defense in the NFL. And Eli Manning had a borderline MVP season. Just wanted to put that out there. But they that came on at the they one. came on at the end of the year, though. They figured it out at the end of the year. Yes, they played better in the playoffs, but without Eli Manning. By the way, Eli Manning like had eight. I think it was like seven or eight uh, fourth quarter victories in that game. And that it season. was like every so fucking week. <laughs> it was like Eli Manning has the ball with two minutes left, and he drove down the field and scored. And like, if it wasn't for him having that season, they are a four and twelve team. That's fair. That's fair. My second thought, though, is is it 
is it wise to be concerned about the pieces of the offense when the crypto lord Daniel Jones is the quarterback? Well, that's yeah. <laughs> I I think I think that's my general concern in the sense that like Kadarius Tony, I'm actually kind of a big fan of him because I think that he's got a Young ton Joker. of potential. Career? Young Joker. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got a lot of potential on the field, not in the End recording the studio. I, not sold on that yet. Um, I've also liked Sterling Shepard too, from kind of afar. I think he's I, a I nice. Hope he can, I hope he can come back healthy. I, I always love Shep. He and he's the he's the most, by the way, most veteran player on the team. Right, he's been yes. with the team the longest, which he's, is crazy. He's a really nice, like, complimentary piece on offense. Yeah. The problem, I think, though, is you really can't grade any of this. You can't grade this team properly. Because Daniel Jones is the quarterback who's running the show right now. And he had some moments in that most recent preseason game that, you know, I guess wowed the the income reports. He looked good. And I will point out that my biggest issue with Daniel Jones has been his inability to read the field and to go through progressions. And a lot of times he will hyper-focus and, like, stare down his receiver and the one thing I've been seeing this preseason is his head's moving from left to right and right to left. So it means he's going through the necessary progression. So again, whether or not that will translate into season is is doubtful. But so, like so you know. to, so to my point, if Daniel Jones figures it out, yeah, you'll have a pretty good litmus test of whether Kenny Galladay is for real or Agreed. not. Like Agreed. if if Daniel Jones is completing passes, throwing touchdowns, playing the whole season. Yeah. And Tony, um, Sterling Shepard, and even Colin Johnson is able to get into the mix. And the tight ends are able to play effectively if Saquon is catching balls out of the backfield. But Galladay is not? Uh-uh. There, there's your defining line right there. God, I, Scott. No, uh, no, I mean, I'm just, you know, the uh, in-house fucking Daniel Jones hater. And I will say that he did – he did pull it together after the first drive, right? Like he started off real fucking rusty in in the very beginning there. So he had the interception yeah. on the second drive. Okay, had, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that interception was might an, have been an, an was Daniel Bellinger, the rookie tight end, um, doing his best Evan Ingram impression. That <laughs> ball, that ball was was maybe a little bit overthrown, maybe like a little bit out too far. He was he had his hands on it, it bounced off right into the defender's hands, and I'll argue that that ball hit the ground. So he came off a little rough to begin, yeah. but that's the ta- typical Daniel Jones that I'm I'm expecting to see, and I plan on seeing this season. Unfortunately, um, two steps forward, five steps back. The one thing I worry about when you said it looks like he's put it, he's he's looking across the field is that the fact that he's moving his head back and forth for me feels like a typical Daniel Jones crypto scam type move where he's actually still fixated on one person, but he's just moving his head like this before. <laughs> I really don't trust it. But you know what, though? That's that's fine, ultimately. I if, mean, if, if, that, if, if, his, if he's – it's all about deception, right? It's all about – like getting the defense to believe you're going one way and going another. It's like, that's Patrick Mahomes, you know, that's, that's what makes him great. Who Let's was, not compare uh, Daniel Jones to Patrick Mahomes. I'm just, one, I'm not doing that. The, trust me. The one thing, the one thing that I do. <laughs> Jackson Mahomes. <see> is, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I do see though, that be, that could be positive is that uh, who, who was that guy that they, 
they brought in. Um, he they signed Coach? him. Bills. No, they were going to make Tyrod Taylor. They were no, no. They were oh, going to make Davis Webb. Davis Webb. Apparently, Davis Webb has a few tricks up his sleeve that he might be able to show to Daniel Jones <laughs> after he's. It was after smart. They cut him because. He's not yeah. going to make the team. Well, it, it, it was a smart – Well, I don't think they're going to cut him on it. I think they're going to probably keep him um, for the for the QB room. Because oh. what's interesting about Davis Webb is he was originally drafted by the Giants um, under the Jerry Reese uh, regime. Hmm. They A lot of people thought he was going to be like Eli's heir, and it was very painstakingly obvious that he was not. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was the quarterback at Cal after Jared Goff, by the way. Correct. And yes. He did really well there, too. He threw like 45 touchdowns in that year that he was there. I think he was he was also, by the way, at Texas Tech under Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. with Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes. God, the whole team got fucked up by Cliff Kingsbury. I know. But so just to just to give you context, <laughs> big uh, Davis Webb was uh, going was offered a coaching spot on the bills, uh, the bills like staff and the giants offered him a contract as of like another way to play, but also to kind of be like the quarterback coach, which, and, and that's one of the things I wonder, like you could just probably cut him and then be like, you want that other job? <laughs> you know, it's, it's possible. They always usually keep three quarterbacks though. It yeah. Seems like. yeah. Tyra Taylor you, also you gets hurt all to. the time too. So yes. Yeah, that's true. Man. Is anybody had any more, has anybody had worse or luck than, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, no, because most of the time your employer doesn't actually try to kill you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny though, is that like Justin Herbert was like literally had to start five minutes before because they gave him an injection and they went too far they and they punctured sure something. Long. Yeah, dumb. And then, and then Herbert steps in five minutes, like, okay, I guess I'm playing today, and then just lights people up. Yeah, so that sick. sucks for Tyrod Taylor too, because I like him. I think he's, he's awesome. A, he's great. I loved him when he played at Virginia Tech too. I thought he was he was the real boss there. But I want to like cap this conversation off with. So let's say, for the sake of argument, that Daniel Jones is named the starter with no hijinks. What is a year that Daniel Jones? And let's do three categories. Um, Touchdowns, passing yards, and completion percentage. What is a good year for him that allows him to stay for year five? I think if he can match his if he can match his rookie numbers, which is twenty four touchdowns, twelve interceptions, two rushing touchdowns, and like thirty eight hundred yards, whatever it was, without the fumbles, like mm-hmm. like take the fumbles and like put him down to like two or three. But like more importantly, he has to show that he can control the offense. That's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. Gotta what Gatto. you got? Uh, it's it really is the turnover number is is the big thing for him because I mean no one's expecting high power out of this offense anyhow. But if they're able to stay on the field longer than a drive, like not a drive, a set of downs, um. That would be an improvement because last year and and granted, I I don't think we're going to have as much trouble with that because one of the pieces, one of the pieces Daniel Jones might not have had was the coach. And he's got a coach in in Brian DeBoa that will 
make good play calls. I saw the difference in the play calls already, and I was like, oh, that actually makes sense to do that. And like, it felt run, run blocking good. looks real good too. So Bobby Johnson, the line coach, has done a really nice job. They they've been decimated. Their top three centers are all hurt. Yeah. The guy, the guard who was playing like an emergency center got hurt. The Jesus. rookie guard got hurt. The one tackle that they signed had to retire because of a neck issue that he previously had, and yet they were running the ball down. They were running the the ball down the Bengals' throat the I, entire game. So I was impressed yeah. with the holes that were being opened and the push the front line had yeah. um, in in that preseason game. Granted, it's preseason, but still, um, it's a credit to Joe Shane though. He did a nice job filling depth, so he got a lot of depth on that offense. Max Garcia look, was starting at center, and he was a Pro Bowl alternate a couple years ago, and they got him on a cheap deal. So, dude, looking at what that, yeah, looking at that alone was night and day that ultimately increases my confidence and i think it 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 bodes well because daniel jones doesn't feel the burden of actually having to make the play every third down because we can have maybe a semi reliable running game this year and and i i think this would be if this is a year for saquon to prove anything it's going to be this year he's got to do it this year i think that's the one piece we haven't talked about and he's he needs to prove it this year more than even Galladay. They wanted to trade him. Yeah. There was talks about it because of like they can save eight million by doing that. So well, get your trade value up because if they're right. gonna trade him, they're still gonna trade him. But <laughs> maybe by midseason they might if if they're in the doghouse and somebody offers a second round pick for him. But I listen, Gato, you know you played fantasy with me. Tom, you played fantasy with me. I don't draft Giants players. I will draft Saquon this year if he's in a good spot. Cause I I think he's poised for a really good year. I draft him over Christian McCaffrey. That's a that's a fucking bold take. I don't know about that, but Christian McCaffrey is a guy who's perpetually ankle injured. I mean, Saquon's not exactly picture of perfect health either. I I get that, but I think he also has the build too. And he had, you know, before that um before that season where he got hurt, he had a thousand yards through thirteen games. So he's B- also Baker, running north south this year. So yeah. Baker Baker got named uh, starting quarterback for week one. There he did. Um, what are we What are we thinking the plays are going to look like with those two? Actually, it could be very productive with the two of them. I, ben I McAdoo like is uh, offensive coordinator, by the way. Okay, never mind. Short um, passes. <laughs> Got to be short passes. People shit on Ben McAdoo, at, and he was a terrible head coach, but like he did make Eli Manning look pretty good in, late in his career when he, he was also with good. the Packers I, when I'm they just, were pretty, like pretty powerful. Too. I'm just saying. I, I, I I'm just joking with that. It's just it's yeah. McAdoo. It's oh, he was a terrible head coach because he just couldn't. Again, being a head coach is more than just calling plays. It's like it's control. Getting your haircut. <laughs> Getting a You're, suit that fits. It's it's more akin to being a VP of a company than it is to actually being like the designer or coordinator or yeah. you know whatever whatever that skill is that is required of those people in those positions. Hundred percent. Yeah, so. I think the Panthers will be pretty good with Baker Mayfield because I think they know what they have, and ever since they had Cam Newton, they've been like deep ball obsessed and. Um, I think Cam Newton kind of ruined it for them in the sense that he could, when he was younger and when he was healthy, he was able to just destroy teams through the air and on the ground. And they've been trying to replicate that for a couple of years now. And they try to do it with Sam Darnold. But the only thing that Sam Darnold was able to do is just give the ball to other teams. 
Um, I think they're going to be like short passing, quick, like high accuracy passes, kind of the things that made Baker Mayfield so successful when he was with Oklahoma, but not when he was with Cleveland. Cause also Cleveland tried to go that like high powered offense that can score at any minute um, with OBJ and Landry Jones. And it just didn't work for them. Well, nothing works for them because they are the Browns. I mean, they had goons as their coaches, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think Baker – I think Baker is going to – people forget Baker two years ago was on his way. I mean, the Browns were in the playoffs, and he was Still having good. a great season. Yeah, he was having a great season. So, I mean, yeah. he had the he shoulder a, injury. He threw a lot yeah. of picks, but that's common. Like, a lot of guys throw a lot of picks early. He's a, but He's a gunslinger, though, too. He's like – that's that's kind of his makeup is that – He's kind of I'm not comparing him to Brett Favre, but he plays with that same abandon where he'll make an amazing throw, but he's going to throw a lot of picks. I, well, I, I, I was going to say too, like Drew Brees and Peyton Manning threw a lot of picks early Mahomes. in their career, and they figured out how to do it. So did so did Mahomes. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's funny is that is still one of the biggest litmus tests is like comparing people to Favre still, and and that gunslinger thing, like. I, I hear a lot of times people can compare like to uh, Ben Roethlisberger, right? But that comparison is ultimately still the comparison of to Brett Favre. It's just he he's the <laughs> ultimate gunslinger. I the mean, ultimate yeah. gunslinger. I've never seen a guy just like <laughs> reckless abandon, throw the ball down the field, and it just it's perfect. It like, lands right where it needs to be. Some people can just do it. Mahomes got that, you know, same makeup so it's the fast and loose kind of like a adrenaline junkie attitude of a quarterback yeah it's, it looks like he's just like it looks like the game is just slowed down for him because he's like like I, I watch Mahomes run sometimes and it's like he's not fast and then he's like juking guys out of their like he, he's again not super athletic it's just it just works for him so yeah so we can move on to another topic yeah okay. let's talk about gematria calculators what the hell is that, dude? Gematria is like <clears throat> I'm. I'm shocked. I'm bringing it up to you. Gematria is like some sort of math mathematical numerology shit that the QAnon crowd is huge into. Oh my god! And so they take like they'll take like phrases, they'll take like um, numbers, and they'll put it into the, these like apps that are these gematria calculators and it will spit out like a reversed code or something like a, a hidden message like in the fucking numbers basically what they've done is they've they've i would call it like the observer like effect on a set of numbers and then they've just twisted it to like meet their bias confirmation about something it's fucking wild yeah, I've also realized, like, I, I've been listening to a lot of Fever Dreams, and, like, they talk about the fact that, like, I didn't realize how much of an element of the QAnon thing is that they actually believe that when the Great Reset happens, which is, like, when Q takes over and all that, that all credit card debt's going to be eliminated. So it, a lot of it could be that they actually just are people who are massive debt and like need something to believe in that, like that's going to be the thing that saves them. It's, it's just so wild, man, because like they have all these fucking weird fringe beliefs. Like you, you saw the article 
too, right? About the hundred and twenty thousand dollar like uh T V systems. Yeah. That... Oh god, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> god, I need to talk about that. Cause we are guys, we are making a mistake. So uh yeah, so Will Summer was talking about this on Fever Dreams. God, you had shared the article. Apparently, it's a new form of therapy that the QAnon crowd has gotten into that they basically believe that if they just sit in front of a bunch of like monitors playing what equivalents to like what static? I think the static is all tuned to different frequencies based right. on. Yeah. And so they it's the same as like, remember that time we were at the beach and the guy was like, yes, when I when I make the sound come out of this bowl, it will heal us. It you are more away t- cancer. And- <laughs> By the way, you are more charitable than I am because you actually talk to him like a human being. And I was like, we need to get out of here. Like this guy's insane. Oh, no, that's just because I I dated a crazy person who she also shared similar beliefs in wave frequency and all of that that yeah yeah, yeah. so well and well either way so i mean apparently with this crowd like there are people who are selling this obviously and tom do you want i don't know if you've been tuned into this um if you haven't do you want to take a guess how much it costs for this to be installed this television setup thing it's a, it's a couple monitors so set up a couple monitors for you and like you basically like put it in like a, i guess you sit down and it like surrounds you and it's supposed to like cure cancer and all those other things. And this is like a right wing thing. Yes, it's a QAnon thing. And this is um, a grift. It's a thousand percent a grift. Got to be a hundred k. Got to be a hundred k at least. It's a hundred and twenty k to be in. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty. It's pretty hilarious to me that they are like people are paying a hundred and twenty k to have these things installed. And it would again would equivalates to a couple monitors. There's also apparently shops that you can like pay by the hour to go sit in fucking mike lindell just getting like six hours of tv (laughs) therapy (laughs) all that my pillow money he's like one pillow two pillow three pillows ah give me the monitors he's got the minnesota accent like i've been doing all this tv therapy i don't know i don't know where they like all of it comes in from like all these other weird things like if you believe in something enough It'll probably it'll probably do a few things. I don't think it's curing your fucking cancer, but you know, by the time you realize that, you've re- you're already dead. So, so it, it's I'm, also I, a COVID thing too, apparently. So, oh, of course it is. Yeah. So I'm totally five G like, gives you COVID, by the way. Yeah. I'm totally fine, like going on to YouTube and just listening to like song or like soundscapes. Yeah, like white soundscapes noise. and like white noise and like beta waves and shit like that but i am not paying for any of that shit i'm not spending a hundred and twenty thousand dollars on a handful of like toshibas to be able to just watch what fucking television if i had no cable (laughs) how much do you think that actually like cost to to produce i would assume they're buying cheap monitors and so let's say like whatever hundred dollar monitor Right. It's so an old a gateway computer and they just throw like a recording <laughs> of like white noise. Probably. I'm guessing it's like they're probably buying them in bulk. So it's probably like they're getting like some kind of discount on them um, for each person. Probably like a hundred bucks. Like I would say probably like 200 bucks worth of product. So if we I, went I on to more. Amazon, I would say like right, three grand. If we went on three grand's worth of shit. If we went on to Amazon right now and started a second mouse amazon profile and bought a fuck ton of monitors and sold them 
Yeah. We could make a lot of money. Well, we could also go to jail if we're saying it does things it can't do. I'm not saying it does anything. No, we're not saying anything. It's just going to be Christopher Walken explaining the two mice. Two mice. Example over and over and over again. Repetition? (laughs) (laughs) Keep keep going with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep gaming this out. Come on. It almost like again, like I, I say it in this country because like those people like who are selling this are guaranteeing they're putting some kind of something in the paperwork that's basically saying like we're not telling you that this cures anything. We just oh, it's it's all in the fine print. Yeah, we're providing. We think an, it does. Yeah, anecdotal evidence of like, hey, I felt better when I did it, so like it might work. So like, yeah, who do you trust, me or the mainstream media? Yeah, the fucking lids. <laughs> it almost like this country incentivizes you to just like grift people out of money i'm telling you like oh, the, a thousand percent <laughs> the golden ticket to heaven gato i think you were telling us about oh that. my so my all-time favorite grift comes out of florida of course um, i believe all, i believe out of our, our favorite dade county miami <sighs> um this man and his wife were arrested after selling about $60,000 worth of these golden tickets to heaven. And now, let me remind you that these tickets, you could sell, anybody here can sell anybody a golden, well, a ticket to heaven. That's not illegal. Why they ended up getting arrested is because they said that these were 24-carat gold tickets, and people proved very easily that they were not. Um, they also believe that by buying this ticket, you were basically given like a one-time admittance pass by aliens that were going to take you up. Cause these, this was a doomsday style cult slash. This church. isn't like fucking Syracuse football tickets where you get a, like a throw in state fair ticket too. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not actually, this is a, uh, a pretty old actually grift because the yeah. catholic church did this forever with indulgences too In, indulgence yeah is where they kind of i think they stole this idea from martin luther about to go uh nail something to the church door again <laughs> stop using the company fax machine <laughs> <laughs> I, I vision like a modern day like um martin luther and he's just like got a vape pen in his mouth as he's hammering up the fucking <laughs> he, he listens to chapel trap house he's just you know he's got his like pneumatic nail gun putting up like the the new rules and he just like pulls up the vape blows a huge puff of smoke and just a stunt on them hose king and just... <laughs> <laughs> oh man so did any of you actually see, like, remember back in the day how Coca-Cola cans had the Six Flags ticket on there or the free admittance? Yeah. yeah Was that yeah, a real yeah. thing? I don't know. Didn't How many did you have to get? I don't remember. 
It was like I also, 1,500 of them something or something. Insurmountable, yeah. I also you would have died from diabetic shock yeah. before you got got it. <laughs> you, I also your didn't quite understand. Would have been through the roof. So by the time you try to go on any of the fucking roller coasters, <laughs> yeah. medically you're not allowed <laughs> to go on this ride, sir. <laughs> the doctor's like, listen, I know you just got the free ride, but like, I'm not clearing you to go because like you will die if you go on a roller coaster. Your blood has essentially become Coca-Cola. Here's the thing, yeah. though, is there was always on the Coca-Cola cans, and they had like the dotted line, like it was supposed to be perforated but you had to cut that shit with a pair of scissors and you're just walking up to the six flags like teller booth with your hand fucking bleeding <laughs> how long Scarred can i get in here <laughs> yeah how many times do you think that that promotion sent people to the hospital going Under- to the one in jersey a lot <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we need a second mouse grift, guys. We need to come up with something. Um, if everyone can just send in their Six Flags um, admittance <laughs> tickets from their Coca-Cola cans. Dude, I'm telling you, we got we to gotta create the worst machine. It will literally be the worst, which is the best. <laughs> the worst machine is the only way that you get into Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> we should print out free tickets into Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> But then come, just like come see where it's a it's like an FBI in, raid tour. It's an FBI raid tour. <laughs> this is his this is my safe. This is the safe his beautiful safe that they broke into. Hey, if you guys are lucky, we'll get to throw the nuclear football around afterwards. <laughs> That that had to be the funniest part of, like I saw. I think John Oliver was talking about it. Like like his he was like they even broke into my safe and he's like yeah fucking that's what happens when they raid you. Like, like no, oh no not my safe. Like safes are off limit. <laughs> he's like he's like if you put a, sa- a sign on it they saying you can't come in then you definitely can and it's like yeah buddy like what did you expect they're not gonna go through your personal. Safe. Hang on guys back up it's his safe we can't go in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if you go on like a, a fucking Q chat room, though, they'll say like FBI agents or vampires, so you have to invite them in. <laughs> it's it wouldn't shock me at all. <laughs> yeah, no, we should tell tickets to Mar-a-Lago, but like on the the last uh, O, we should put like the line over the top, so that uh, it's it's actually like a place that we've created. It's like no, no, oh, no, you're just you went to the wrong place. Yeah, it's Mar-a-Lago <laughs> in Iceland. Totally different. Mara Lego. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to, um, I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this just because y'all. this is something that's been going through my mind for a while. And I don't know necessarily how much you all are involved with LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm linked out most of the time. I, I typically die of cringe when I go on there. So that's something that I've picked up on more often than not like probably within the last last like year and a half or so LinkedIn has become basically this place where you glorify the most average things that you do in your life. And I'm just trying to gather some thoughts and like words around why LinkedIn is so cringe now. So I'm curious what you all have seen in your LinkedIn experiences and what those have been like for you. So I think in general, like, you know, flexing or bragging or whatever you want to fucking call it, um, like, is 
like we see so much of it with like you know fucking influencer culture and i think when it comes to that specific style of like you know hustle hard to make it as a you know in your job space the only place that you're really allowed to do that now is linkedin everyone else will just turn like they'll just fucking shit on your post or like they're they're gonna lose respect for you if you do it anywhere else so the few the proud that want to showcase you know the fact that they're typing 70 words a minute or what have you they they now take it to fucking linkedin and it's it's just a garbage place (laughs) i I think it i think it sometimes embraces the worst parts of corporate culture and like it puts you in a position where you have these people making posts in which like they are like completely like in turn like in support almost of like these corporations who make these like horrible moves i'm sure you guys all saw the crying ceo i was gonna mention that (laughs) I mean, I I don't know what went through this guy's head to think that this was a good idea in which, like, I understand that maybe he genuinely is upset. So basically, the context for anybody who doesn't know, he had to fire some of his employees, uh, lay off his employees because he had made a bad business decision a couple months before that. And he's basically like crying because he was so upset. Now, listen, if he is genuinely upset, that's great. And like, it actually means that he has a pulse and a heart on like some CEOs, but wouldn't it have been a better time of like, Hey man, I really had, I had to let these guys go because of my shortcomings. Here are their profiles. Everyone please reach out and offer them jobs. Can, can can we also take a pause just to think about this? The fact that like in the, in the post, there's like him crying, right? Like it's a picture of him. He's got his shitty pouty face on. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to think about this. He starts crying or pouting about it, and now he's like trying to take a picture of it at the same time to show how, ma- how, how many that he is. How many Are pictures did he take? Are you kidding me? How many? Yeah, pictures at least three. How, how least long? Three. How long did he focus on that while still trying to be upset about having to lay off his employees? Yeah, come the you're, fuck on. You're not going on LinkedIn if you're fucking uh, like that upset. Like it's just not happening. So here's my thought on this. I I think that Facebook has essentially become like the land that nobody wants to fuck around with anymore. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's three mile Island. Yeah. It's, it's not a place that anyone goes on to anymore for actual, like it ends up being like the, the byproduct of what you post on LinkedIn and it just ends up on, or not a LinkedIn, but on Instagram, it just ends up on Facebook now because meta owns everything. I, I feel like it's become just like a big marketplace too. Yeah, that, it's people selling shit. It's basically yeah. like um, and videos that never end. Yep. Who like Amazon? Yeah. yeah. But I feel like LinkedIn has essentially turned into like that dumping ground that is unfortunately where people are going to sh- overshare when they really shouldn't. And we're seeing it now with like a corporate tilt. And it bothers me in many cases that. There are people who really should not be like going on here and like bearing their souls, bear your soul to your friends. Like, cause ultimately you're talking to a bunch, a room full of strangers. And I'm not saying that what these people are feeling is not valid or genuine, but like, not really sure 
that a faceless social media entity is where you should be like doing all of this. And that guy, the, the crying CEO, this is my other point. So much about LinkedIn is about fucking vanity. And I question whether a lot of these folks are actually feeling this way or they're doing it for the likes and for the reposts. Like there's a yeah, there's a disingenuous that comes with like people who are putting stuff out there. There's this one person that follows me um, who like added me as a connection on LinkedIn. And I saw that she knew somebody else that I did. So I, I selected it and I said, yeah, sure. I'll follow you. The post that this person puts out is fucking unbearable. And the, the connections that she tries to make are just like, why are you doing this? And again, I'm not trying to be old man yelling at cloud, but at the same time, like LinkedIn was so much cooler when you're posting fucking jobs on there for people. The, the thing is, Tom, like that's actually a place that you're still, you're still one of the young people on. Like <laughs> it's, um, this has become like the big place for like fucking the 50 year old or the 40 year old dude who fucking puts like they're they're like a fucking VP of of their own fucking company on there and shit. Like this is that place for them now. And they're just telling you all the things in the world that are wrong that they're trying to correct or that they're more innovative about. And here's the thing though, is this people that are younger than me doing this now? Well, they're just they're I, I feel like they're just part of the market hustle, fake it tea, make it culture. Which that's the real thing about like in in the end, it's all about fake it till you make it. And then when you make it, you're Richard Branson on LinkedIn because he's like he's like LinkedIn God, um, which is the weirdest fucking thing in the world. He seems like an average guy, maybe on the cooler side for a billionaire, which is not saying much. But like, that really, yeah, like is that really who you want to be like? Who you want to emulate? But that's what that's what the vibe is there. Um, it's unfortunate because this is still probably one of the best places to job search. Like that's I the unfortunate through, reality. That's the problem is that you're you're mired in your job search to these weird connection things that have nothing to really do with the job search. That sh- feels like the one thing that Microsoft, because uh, I believe they purchased LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, they they should have done a better job of doing because they're like oh yeah this job fits you but like they don't actually really prove that at all like you still search for things and then they say you got this you got that but i feel like they could be doing so much more with that application and we almost started a business based on trying to do this at one time well Um, there there's a i mean like job searching has become so tedious and like also, because like most of these places don't even bother putting a starting salary on there because it's probably bad. Yeah, and uh, it's it, it really like there's no incentive like to like use these websites other than like just like going to like a business that you want to work for and submitting a web you know resume on their site like that's which is a lot of times that's what I first do is like that yeah. company would be awesome to work for or. Yeah. Like, that seems like a good place for my career to take off from. Like, that's where I want to go look. Um, but, yeah, for for those places you're not thinking of, you got to go to, like, LinkedIn. You could go to Monster and Indeed, but I feel like I've had even less accuracy with those websites um, trying to find jobs. I think I've even used some of their premium ser- services through 
trials or even like a monthly you know subscribership or whatever for a little bit and like inevitably in the end like it still came down to the connections i already had <laughs> i think i think the o- i think the only job i've ever i only have one job ever that i got off of a website that's like the rest of them were either like recommended or whatever you know the problem is is that linkedin was supposed to be the workaround to like corporate websites like that the was ultimate supposed networking to be- tool yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be a way to avoid all of that. But now I feel like it's a way to screen people also like, well, you don't have a LinkedIn profile. Like, why do I need one? And I feel like in many cases, like all of the social media platforms that effectively forces you to be online, even if you don't want to be there, you have to be there. And I mean, I, you know, I give the folks that, we talked about earlier a lot of shit, but ultimately they're kind of victims of circumstance in the sense that like, this is the society that we live in where you have to like, you have to perpetually be online. Well, well like the problem is that if you want something for free on the internet, it's going to cost you some way. Right. And so a website like LinkedIn, which offers a solid service that people want and need, also need to pay pay the fucking bills so they've created this other way of retaining and keeping fucking users that then generates money through ad revenue and what have you and i like the problem is that that doesn't go away if you buy their premium services like yeah you you still spend a lot of time on their on their app and it's incentivized to stay on their app and spend time on their app so it's a double reason not to go out and fucking pay for their services because inevitably they still make money every time you're on there and they're showing you ads and you're clicking on ads or what have you or sponsored fucking posts so like how much of this is actually the biggest grift ever like i couldn't tell you yeah it's (laughs) it sucks Uh, breaking news guys of Um, course we might be looking at congressional candidate laura loomer in florida oh boy the 11th district of florida she is going against dan webster long-standing republican rhino and she is within a couple hundred votes right now uh, and it's uh, looking close that so we might have congresswoman laura loomer laura loomer who's like White nationalist Laura Loomer, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, not not like election, like election, very much like, like replacement theory. Believer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The person who locked herself, uh, handcuffed herself to the Twitter headquarters a couple years ago too. Yeah, because she got her. banned. <laughs> That's the best part. She's so, twenty nine years old. I, I'm, I don't, I can't. If that's true, then oof. So, yeah, so Dave Wasserman just tweeted out, apparently it looks like Dan Webster is likely to prevail um, in this race, but it's fucking way too close. I I like how her, like, you know how, like, they have the one-liner about who this is on Wikipedia when you search them, and it just says, it is American far-right and anti-Muslim political (laughs) activist, conspiracy theorist, and internet personality. She's been a name... um long associated with the far right and she's just said some really outlandish shit and you know i a part of me wonders like 
because there is evidence that the Democratic Party funded some of these like super far right candidates yeah. to essentially get rid of the though. get rid of the electable like Republican candidates for the crazy ones and to be easier to beat. What could go wrong? Dude. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> but my other concern, too, is like and I don't know if Laura Loomer is one of them, but my concern is just because you can beat them doesn't mean you should give them the, the space. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're giving them like re like recruiting efforts because yeah. again, ultimately somebody you, knows about them now. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is another tactic that has been relatively smart for Republicans is that they get these horrible candidates and they run in super red districts. So, like you know, you have uh, Marge, Marge, and uh, Lauren Boebert and all, and all them. They they're never gonna leave because their districts are never unless they unless they say something that's anti-Trump. That's the only way that's they're gonna work. yeah. This this I didn't know shit about her at all. Honestly, it's a fucking doozy, her, dude. Her her claim to fame is that she's been like banned off of more apps than anybody I fucking know. She's banned off Twitter, right? Thus the yeah. whole fucking handcuffing herself to the headquarters. Right. Uh, but also Uber and Lyft because <laughs> she couldn't find a non-Muslim cab or Uber Jesus Lyft driver. Christ. Oh, God. She's a special. Oh, she's a huge Islamophobe. Too, she's yeah. banned from yeah. PayPal? Go fund me in Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, a lot of those like far-right characters are banned off all the pay platforms, too. Um, so they have to go to like these really underground ones or use cryptocurrency, but she's yeah. just a general hunk of shit. So um, one of the worst, one of the worst people in like that, that space. Yeah. I remember hearing about Laura Loomer in like 2016 or 2017. I was she like, was very big that then. Bat shit. Crazy. A again, proof to that canceling kind of works. Cause like, or like not like canceling, but like deplatforming, de it mm -hmm. fucking works. Big difference there. Too. Yeah, because Milo, Milo's fucking gone. Oh, by the way, Milo is—he's still interning she, for Marge. He, I believe he's an aide for her still. Yeah, I, I actually, like, actually, you know what? That might have fizzled out two weeks later. There was something I might have seen about that. One. I have a feeling that Jacob Wool would have been her like press secretary or something, you know, and that's just not good. No, so it's all bad. I, so it looks like she's not going to win, thankfully. But uh, it, it's it is it is way too fucking close. It doesn't matter though because the election was stolen anyway. Yeah, you know what? It's all fake anyway. So yeah, just that's what, that that's the interesting thing that like if because we I think we're all convinced that Trump's going to run again, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, the, the hard <laughs> yeah the, yeah <laughs> keep himself out of yeah keep himself out of trouble. That's actually the probably the thing that would keep him from going to jail for life. Is winning, yeah. Because he's run so many grifts at this point that he he forgets which ones he's got and what he's done. And the crazy thing is, I was listening, I think I was listening to Chapo about uh, the whole nuclear thing. And the nuclear football, they weren't, that's like, like they equated to like, you, you go home with like your key card for the building, like, or the take the hotel key card for the room. Like essentially it gets deactivated and it's it's no of no use anymore. I would argue though that if you did have like the nuclear football, even after it's been deactivated, that the technology can still be the hardware can still be taken apart and looked at so you could figure out how to break it or if you gave it to a foreign government, they could 
try. I mean, maybe they can, whether or not they, they actually succeed. Research they can, on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I don't think he would have been able to walk out with a whole fucking briefcase of like, well, and, and he doesn't actually hold the football either. Well, the story, the story was that he left when he lost the election, he left to go sulk in Mar-a-Lago and he, it went with him because he was still the acting president and they never went to receive it or some shit. But he doesn't, but he doesn't take it though. I'm sure. I'm sure that that thing, whatever the case was, like that was something that I had heard from Chapo. So I kind of went along with believing it. Um, what whatever well, if, the case is, I'm sure it's got GPS and they know where that thing is at all fucking times. Well, um, if it if it makes you feel any better, um, John, I think his name John Solomon, who's um, like a Trump loyalist, released the um, the letter that the National Archives sent to him, which is like the closest thing you can get to the National Archives people like freaking the fuck out. And Trump's people thought it was actually going to help him. If anything, it makes him look like 10 times worse because they like clearly outlined like why you can't hang on to any of this stuff. And they just <laughs> fucking ignored it. No, we don't read here. It's just crazy. The, it's just so crazy. Well, like, so the, the other crazy thing was that they were saying like three years ago, Trump basically sold engineering uh, information to the Saudis. Yeah. Yep. And that was just like right out in the open at like Mar-a-Lago when he was like holding court down there. So when this came down, there was a lot of like, and again, there's no evidence. So I want to be clear about that. But like there was some concern that it, what is he doing with this material? And is, you know, he's always had a very cozy relationship with the Saudis. Uh, so it's like, is he providing this to them? And it's like, I at least like is a cause for concern. I, I feel like. It would make a lot of sense, actually, because in in a lot of ways, that's why he has he's kept his rallies going and he's always collecting donations so that he can whitewash the or not whitewash, but launder the the cash the Saudis are giving him. <laughs> this that's, this that's is... the whole thing about the, the LIV. Yeah, the golf that's tournament. The, that's the other thing. Yeah, <laughs> this 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 is going to be his, by the way, his platform for 2024. It's going to be they they raided my home and they'll do it to you too and you need to elect me back. That's going to be his. I don't think it's going to be successful though. No one wants to come to your fucking house. Like it smells like like old dirty leaves and fucking. It's just <laughs> it's just so funny because they were like, don't. if they can do this to the president, they can do it to anybody. And I'm like, they do fucking do it to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And like they're gonna they regardless of all the time. Power. Your company will fucking do it to you if you take too many fucking off supplies home with you. So it's like, why do what I care about him? Depending? Why should I fucking care about like any of these presidents? Like they could raid Obama. I don't care if there's a legitimate reason that they could that they should do it. Then they should do it. I. You I, know what though? That's the thing. They want you to believe. They want people to believe that they're going to be outraged if someone like Obama, like. They expect people on the left to be outraged if Obama was to get searched for the same things. And I fucking don't do it. I, I I think there would be people that would probably be fucking outraged because it's sure. Obama. But of like course. on the flip side of that, there's plenty of other people that are like, good, F fucking go find it and make a case. I'm all for 
stop accountability giving, justice. yeah <laughs> stop giving presidents like this immunity from any criticism or like legal action why is it that like the minute you become president we can't like you you can literally almost try and overthrow a government and they're just like <laughs> you fucking crazy character Be- you. because it's such a close it's such a thin line to actually overthrowing government in, in I, a lot I, of people's I, mind and that's why trump has skated for so long because throwing your political he still is a political enemy to the left and as long as he remains in that category he stays untouchable in certain ways yeah and i i know there's concern that like the minute you start going after your political opponents that it like trump can do the same thing to biden he can weaponize the fbi against you know against him and start raiding his homes and all that and planting, i'd say he was know, one term away from doing that anyhow he like and again that's the thing about the republicans is that they will consi- they will consistently go you don't want to start that you don't want to set that precedent and then we'll immediately set the precedent the minute that they get in power so yeah yeah i think a lot of it has to do with and i'm i'm going to be a little far afield up here but go with me on this one i think this has a lot to do with just how this country has dealt with people and not dealt with people for the sake of like national unity. Um, I just finished a book about like the, the myth of the lost cause in the Confederate States of America. And there was so much like bending over backwards to make the South happy after the civil war. And even after like in the 1930s and 1940s and 1950s, like there are statues and monuments of Robert E. Lee in places where he should not be. Um, there was Lee Hall at West Point where he was the commandant, not a great one, but he was a commandant of West Point nonetheless, where the only reason why the building was named after him was because the um, – it was to curry favor with Southern politicians and very much. We like avoid a lot of these accountability components just to make people happy. And look, if there's a president that has fucked up royally and has done something illegal, they should be investigated and potentially thrown in jail. It doesn't hurt the credibility of the U S that they get thrown in jail. It hurts the credibility of the U S if they don't. I I feel like the right has looked so hard for, the left's Nixon for fucking years. And until they get their Nixon, this this will never be over, though. They need that tit for tat. No. And that, and may, and that might be the original sin of all this, is that letting Nixon walk, you know, letting Ford, you know, him re- resigning, Ford pardoning him, and then, like, the Democrats are like, well, all right, well, whatever, you know. Funny you mentioned Nixon, because he was the one that wanted Confederate statues at West Point. Oh, of course. And 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 I, I think it was a John Oliver thing I saw on this was that like a lot of these monuments go up like a lot of them went up after the civil rights. Uh, 1930s through the 50s. Yeah. Uh, right after the Civil War ended, they tried to get them. Like, so it is very much an intimidation thing. It's not just, oh, it's just a monument. It's just celebrating history. No, it's it is clearly an intimidation tactic. That is. Yeah, just... that'll be my pick of the week next week. I have a few for this week, but interesting. Cool. <laughs> well, do we want to start with uh, assholes? My, uh, I, I'll just jump right into it because mine's pretty it. simple. Um, I just Please. saw it like ten minutes ago. It was another hot take from Herschel Walker. Oh God! About climate future, change. Future senator of Georgia. Yeah, so like it's kind of this is like a split between him and Greg Abbott um, because they're both climate change deniers, 
and uh, there was some there was something Herschel Walker said about trees. He's like, oh, there's plenty of trees around. There's too many trees. There's so <laughs> many trees. Like, and and I was just like, I didn't even get the whole story, but just from the the sheer like one liner that he made, like I knew whatever the fuck he was talking about with trees was insane and uh and and then yesterday i believe like texas got the most insane like flash flood they've ever seen or some crap and uh 10 inches of water in three hours or something like that yeah some insane thing and then like greg abbott wouldn't field fucking climate change questions during his during um, his press conference. I also want to point out, too, that Herschel Walker said that he would not deb- debate Raphael Warnock on a Sunday because it's football season. <laughs> Man's got priorities. Like, you remember which team you're watching, Herschel. He's just like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was actually an interesting article that came out. And um, because you mentioned Herschel Walker, God, I wanted to mention this. Um, apparently, Dr. Oz... J.D. Vance and Herschel Walker are hemorrhaging money. And like J.D. Vance has like a half a million dollars cash on hand right now. Herschel Walker has no money. Dr. Oz is just blowing through money like he's going out of style. And essentially, um, who's the guy who's running for Senate in Arizona? Um, Peter Thiel's guy. I can't remember. Blake Masters? Yeah, Blake Masters. Yeah. He was shitting on Mitch McConnell and now he's like begging him for money. Love that. So all of these like heavily contended contentious states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, all of these guys who were shoe-ins like four months ago are like effectively fucking broke right now. Cash empty. That's that's what happens when you have a shakeup of your you know your base's makeup. I think you have unelectable people. I think Dr. Oz just spent too much money on crudite. I mean, who shops? Like that. My favorite thing also is like he says like salsa six dollars, but he's actually looking at the price for bruschetta. <laughs> and it's like he literally can't fucking read the sign, and it's just like fucking twenty dollars for crudite. What's going on here? This is Joe Biden's America. I, by the I, way, I, huge disrespect to Wegmans. By the way, calling it Wegner's. Wegner's is Wegner's. a fucking staple. Okay. I when he said Wegner's, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's a fucking like you, maybe you I just didn't know because of New York thing. But I was like, is he like I thought it was like is there a place called Wegman's? Like, is there a place called Wegner's too? And apparently I guess that was the case. It was he just got it wrong. You know, I wouldn't now that we have like a billion more uh IRS agents um that are now well funded, I would love for them to really look into fucking Dr. Oz's uh financials. He's been sued I feel like, a lot of times. I feel like the only reason that he's even getting into politics right now is because he's got to launder money that he has dirty somewhere. He's doing something shady that he needs to go away. Well, he has <laughs> ten. Pro- he has ten properties. Yeah. Two oh, no, he's, he's only got homes. two homes. Yeah, but ten properties. Yeah. What? <laughs> he's he. Listen, I I have talked in nauseam about how I'm scared of how the Democrats are going to do in November. The one thing I know for sure is John Fetterman is going to fucking destroy him. He's got a he's really going to destroy him. He's got Dude. a really good platform. He had a post or something that came out today that was effectively like, this is the most pro America pro union campaign out there right now. And like, 
He is. You, I don't know what Dr. Oz is rooting for right now. He is the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. He has been the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania for the last few years. He is from Pennsylvania. Yeah. He is about as authentic as you go. I don't agree with John Fetterman on everything. I think some of his takes are bad. And but like, if you're going to add, if you're going to ask me, like, obviously no one aligns with you 100. percent He's very close to how I align, though. He's he's also was the mayor of Braddock, PA, which is a like a real hard scrabble town, blue collar town. Yes, you you know you're doing something right when Steve Bannon has to attack you out of the blue. A thousand That's percent. when you fucking know you're doing fucking old Stevie, good. Old Stevie two shirts. And he's afraid of you. He's <laughs> fucking scared of you. John Fetterman, you keep it up, you beautiful son of a bitch. You fucking <laughs> put win. the fear of God in these people. Steve I mean, to be Bannon. fair, it's not a good ca- candidate. Like, Dr. Oz is a bad candidate. Yeah. Really yeah. bad. It's- when uh, when what's-his-face Steve Bannon has to take a fucking penicillin shot to get on the air just to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's gonna get ugly. It's gonna be ugly. I mean, he's he's. I, I'm willing to like put all my money down on that. So, onion article that came out on it's called uh, Pennsylvanians explain why they're voting for Doctor Oz, and it's you know a typical onion format of like random headshot of person with a quote. One that made me fucking die laughing. Quote: His medical advice has killed a couple people I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> so yeah that's a good one um i'll go next i'm gonna go with hope solo here um she was talking on her podcast about the her dui that she got um about a year ago and i think some of these places have kind of taken a lot of this out of context um but i'm still going to I'm, i still feel the need to put her on the on the list so she got a DUI, and apparently her kids were in the car with her while she was drunk. I, I don't ever shame anybody who's got an addiction problem. I get it, and I think they should be supported. Where I draw the line is, like, putting your kids in danger. And, like, because they literally don't have any control over the situation. And she said, quote, I was mother-shamed around the world. Fuck off. Now, in context, it she does sound remorseful which is great but it's like and then she's complaining about the financial burden of the dui and it's like so it's like it, it at one moment i'm like okay so she seems remorseful and like i think people deserve second chances uh but at the end of the day it's like when you're talking about the the i don't care i know when you're like you're a famous athlete so i don't care about your financial problems like literally don't care um, especially when it comes from a DUI, you did that yourself. You made that choice, and like being mother shamed. Like, yeah, what do you think is going to happen when you drive in the car or drive drunk in, with your kids in the car? I mean, like you're only you're not only endangering yourself, but your fucking children. So, I, at the end of the day, I have to I have to go with her. Hope Solo is worth four million dollars. Yeah, and I know those net worth websites are not always 100% accurate but like she was a athlete, a, a professional athlete for quite some time so at the end of the day normal people who work normal jobs get DUIs and have to pay the 10,000 yeah. 15,000 for a lawyer and all those things to get there and then can't drive to work without getting an exception and all that so 
I don't quite care about her her financial struggle to she, get through her DUI. She could just like pawn one of her like Olympic medals or something. Yeah, exactly. And that would pay for like a thousand DUIs. Yep. So yeah. So, so I have to mo- go with her mother there. shamed, huh? That's a new one. Yeah. I think that's that's my frustration with that one. Q in the sense that she's effectively saying that. She's the victim. She's the victim, and we're yeah. to blame. Society's the problem for this. And it's like, yeah. no, like, I think that's the whole point. Like, is the accountability that you have to take for that decision. You also have to take the brunt of the the criticism as well. And I'm not saying yeah. the criticism is warranted in some cases, but like, you do need to they do need to sit with that and understand that. It's not like this whole bullshit, like the election was stolen, like, oh, those cops were tailing me and they got me drunk intentionally and they pulled me over. Like, no, you actively right. made a choice. And again, like addiction is a pretty serious thing. And people alcoholism is, is real. It, and is she an pretty, actual alcoholic? She she said, she, well, I mean, you know, we're going off what she's saying. She said that she struggled with alcoholism for a long time. And I believe her. I don't have any reason not to believe her yeah. that she has an addiction to alcohol and she's gotten help for it. And that's great fantastic i hope that she's beaten those demons but like at the end of the day i don't want to hear about your financial struggle of paying off a dui that you did with your kids in the car and like i don't want to you deserve to be mother shamed because although like yeah other people are probably bad parents too who are also probably uh shaming her but at the end of the day it's like you set yourself up for that one i mean yeah. the reality is you never hear you never hear about good parents because that's just what is expected, right? You but you also won't. You also parents. won't hear from parents who make you know fifty thousand dollars a year. You won't hear from them because they don't have that platform. She has a podcast. So. so over the, I think it was over the past weekend, I saw an article. They they did a D uh, a DWE check leaving leaving Patchog, and right. this exact scenario: a woman. Yep. a woman she was driving home, she had her kid in the back, and she got a a DWE. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that. That because it's it's a it's a much more severe. I don't know if maybe because where where did this happen? Where does she live? She's in California. I, I believe in I believe in like California. Yeah, like it seems like they're pretty loose um, when it comes to Dewey's because uh, what's his face just got off. <laughs> Paul Pelosi, Pelosi, yeah. Paul Pelosi just Paul just Pelosi. got off with no more jail time. Drinking uh, and driving for his for his ex- in in New York we have a thing called Leandra's Law. I don't know yeah. if that's up here. Yeah. Here it's it's way worse if you have a kid in the in the car, rightly so. In rightly New York, so. always just fucking like number one anywhere, always get an Uber, but like it's so much cheaper than getting the TV and it's so much safer. Hope Solo has received endorsements from Seco, Simple Skincare, Nike, Blackberry, Ubisoft, Electronic Arts, and Gatorade. Sick. Nice. I think I think you're fine. Yeah. Yep. She's also got a website, hopesolo.com. She got a podcast too. That's what she was. That's where she was talking about this. Yeah. So she's oh. probably got cash. Oh wait, she has a. She has a. <laughs> okay, we can have fun with this. She has a a thing called Dear Hope. I think she gives out advice. I... Oh wait, she took it down. Smart move. Yeah. Smart fucking move. Yeah, I don't. I don't recommend anybody taking that advice. Just uh, throwing that out there. Oh wait, no, she still does take advice. What should we write into this? Two mice. <laughs> Are you the second mouse, Hope? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, I'll go with my asshole of the week, and mine is none other than South Carolina Republican Representative Neil Collins. Um, 
For those who don't know who Neil is, he is somebody who voted for the South Carolina um, abortion law that's now on the books. And there's a clip that has come out of him effectively saying he is completely in shock of the ramifications of what the South Carolina law is now doing to to pregnant women and to mothers. Um, there's a clip online of him talking about how women are now being forced to carry non-viable pregnancies at a risk of sepsis, death, and the loss of their uterus. And Neil is one of many people that we can label asshole of the week with this stance, but he is just one that I have selected because there's a video of him being completely flabbergasted that, holy shit, medicine is actually a real thing and people's health is actually a real thing. Um, I think there was um, a couple, was it in Louisiana or somewhere in the South where there was a mother who was carrying a child that was effectively going to be born without a skull. And, then and, and for context on this, Tom, right? Like, I believe that they had told them it's a non-viable pregnancy and the, and she's going to have to deliver the child. She's either going to get sepsis or the, or she's going to have to deliver the child herself, the, the dead child. Yeah. So um, the doctor had told Neil Collins that if they release this woman, she's going to have this child in the toilet of her house. There's a 50% chance of her losing her uterus and yep. the chances of her dying are pretty good. And the lawyers for the hospital were like, we can't do it. Yep. So this is one of many stories that is going on in this country. And I think the problem that we have here, there's a number of issues with this. But the problem right now is that the people who wanted this do not understand that there are lives at stake now. And you're going to be killing the mothers of these children. And in many cases or babies that are never going to be born, they're going to be stillborn or, you know, they're not going to be able to live outside of the womb. And in, in, in some cases that means that those have to be terminated. It's an unfortunate thing, but to save the mother, that's the priority. And we now have rules on the books that say that that's not an issue anymore. And um, again, it's just, it's really sad that people need to come to this fucking conclusion to figure it out. And they need to see the reality in front of them. It, it, it takes a, it takes away from the point that this wasn't even an abortion, right? And it's like she wanted this child, and it just wasn't viable. Yeah, and it's it never ceases to amaze me how much the Republican Party is trying to placate a section of this country that does not even believe in the power of government, and only in certain areas is it allowed to restrict a person's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But it's the one that can probably hurt them the most. Yeah, so Neil Collins, you're my asshole of the week. You're a stupid fucking idiot. Yep. And you're a stupid fucking idiot. You're a stupid fucking idiot. Go uh, fuck yourself. To a more uh, positive topic. Yeah. Yeah. Picks. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start. Um, I just finished a series on Amazon Prime called The Outlaws, featuring the one and only Christopher Walken. Fuck off. Um. <laughs> And it's also in conjunction with uh, Steve Merchant, very hysterical, very funny man. Um, if there was a second spirit animal for this show, it would probably be him. Uh, basically, the show follows a group of individuals who all end up getting community service. And there is 
it bases around the fact that one of the characters is forced into a situation in which he tries to take a large sum of money from a drug dealer and the ramifications of all that. And uh, it's funny. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. Um, it is British, so you'll have to deal with that if that's a problem for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, if you're if you're racist against British people. <laughs> How did you find this, Scotto? You know what? Just started he's looking in, around. He's in the Christopher Walken fan club. Yeah, Chris, it's like Christopher Walken new release. The, the new season just dropped. And I, I don't know if there will be a third season, but... Um, it's a good enough story that you'll enjoy two seasons worth of it'll definitely entertain you for for a couple weeks or a couple days depending on how fast you binge and it's Um, only six episodes right uh there's two seasons i want to say the second season was a little bit more than six okay um yeah they're about an hour long and it's fun it's funny you'll enjoy it i sincerely believe that Steve, Steve Merchant is fucking hysterical. He's a, he's a funny guy. He had a show on HBO a while back. I, I can't remember the time, name of it. Hello, ladies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a documentary here uh, that I just started. So I haven't finished it yet, but um, it's called, uh, it's on Netflix called Untold The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. Uh, oh, it's the story yeah. of Manti Teo, former Notre Dame linebacker. Um, who, if you remember, I mean, I remember seeing this when this was new, that uh, Manti Teo was an All-American. He was slated to be a first-round pick. And they just a lot of weird stuff came out about a girlfriend, a story that was running about him having a girlfriend who died of cancer. And a lot like it was his motivation and then it turned out that this person did not exist at all and a lot of people were wondering where does this stem from was this manti teo like fishing for a good story was it someone who like <laughs> catfished him um so this is gonna apparently gonna provide more clarity uh to that situation so it's uh i, I it's i'm i'm Probably going to finish it tonight, so uh, I, I recommend a preliminary everyone uh, give it a look. I've, I've seen the trailer for that, and it looks w- weirdly because it's such an like it's such a like insignificant event in world history. It is, yeah. But like the trailer, like I am completely hooked on seeing this. I will eventually see it. It looks, yeah. Crazy. It's only it's only two parts and it's uh, an hour each, so it's about two hours total. I watched it over the weekend. It was really good. Um, I think the part that is the most unfortunate component is that this effectively followed Manti Teo throughout his NFL yeah. career yeah. and probably ended it. He was a second round pick, which is not super significant, but it is a bit weird because he was like an all-american linebacker from notre dame which usually means you're a top 15 pick now i think some people felt like his game was kind of i agreed i didn't think he was like amazing he went to notre dame so like they need some it's right so i but i i think it may have knocked him down i think he was drafted by the chargers uh he Mm -hmm. he uh it did knock him down a little bit yeah i um 
I'm interested to hear what your thoughts, what both of your thoughts are when you've completed it, because mm -hmm. I have an interesting take on that whole situation that the person that effectively catfished um, Manti Teo goes by the name Naya Tuyasasopo now. Um, yep. The person is, the individual has transitioned. My frustration with the show is, to be frank, I don't think Naya has taken any true accountability and responsibility for what she has done to Manti Teo's career. And I think I would feel much different if Teo did not say that he forgave Naya for the behavior and what happened. But for me, as I sat there and watched it, I was waiting for that moment where Naya said, like, I've ruined this person's life and I have to live with that forever. And that's on me. Yeah. Because at the conclusion of it, basically, Manti Teo, his career ends. Like, he flames out in the NFL and he attributes a lot of it to just his lack of confidence and his second guessing himself and being it's like emotionally and mentally traumatized by what happened. Yeah. Naya Tuyasasopo now has a platform. You've given yeah. this person a platform where they can talk about that. Meanwhile, Manti Teo in this career, in this lifetime, this life-changing experience was ruined. And his life has been changed in maximum amount. I wish there was more like accountability. And I wish they had pushed Naya to be like, you fucked this person up forever. And you didn't say anything. And, yeah. you know, I, that really sits with me the wrong way in the sense that like, I know that Naya I'm sure was going through a lot um, emotionally and mentally as well. But through all of that, you've given this person the platform. They do need to own up to their shit. And I just, I, I left that feeling incredibly saddened for Manti Teo's like life. And I'm, I'm sure he's happy now. I'm sure he's got his shit figured out, but very unfortunate for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any of this yet. But the one thing I... You actually kind of mentioned this as you were saying it in passing of this is that they gave this person who catfished him a platform. And this is probably the most attention this person's ever received in their fucking life. And in their mind, it might've been like the best thing that's ever happened to them. And that's why you didn't get those words from them. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the, the cold reality of this is that like the catfish really enjoyed what the catfish did and isn't actually that sorry. And that's why yeah. those words never show up. And, and they had a tremendous amount of power over Manti Teo. And now they're able to talk about that power and relive that experience. And it's like, we've talked a lot about like how people have agency over others and like they, they wield power over one another. And this felt very much like now I'm bragging about how much I was able to fuck with this guy. And I think that's, um, a big thing that I think a lot of athletes actually do end up dealing with, right? Because you become famous, you become rich, and now you have all the sycophants and you have all the people that surround you, surround you just to get a piece, right? Just to suckle on the teeth. 
mm-hmm. and um, they they're they're just you know cancerous people to have around you, and it becomes like a full time job in one sense to keep them at bay or to not let them take advantage of you too much. You know, I kind of, I feel for professional athletes in that sense, you know, they got everybody is out against them, you know? Yeah. And also too, the, the, the actual woman of Lene Kikua who, you know, her face and likeness was like exploited. Didn't talk to her. Didn't feel any kind of sorrow or apology for that individual. Like, Anytime someone like looks up Lene Kakua, it's going to be Manti Teo's fake girlfriend. Yeah. And this yep. person actually has a real life. So I'm not going to say much more about that, but it was just how I felt in the moment and how I was like, it just felt very icky to me. Yeah. I agree with you. So all that to be said, good doc. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have. Two, I have two picks of the week right now. Um, the first one is a video game, and it is Jedi or Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So um, I've been very critical of Disney's Star Wars universe that they've created over the last couple of years. I think the the three most recent movies that they've come out with don't make any fucking sense. Oh um, no, no, that's most movies they make these days. <laughs> that's true. Um, anything that Disney touches pretty much doesn't make any sense these days. But um, some of the shows that they've come out with recently, honestly, the only Star Wars Disney movie that I've enjoyed is Rogue One. I think most people have agreed that they like that movie out of all of them. But Fallen Order is this is not an area that Disney can necessarily touch because it's owned by EA. They have the IP over it and. The game takes place shortly after um, the fall of the Republic. Um, you know, when Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader, it takes place about six to seven years after that happened. And it's a, um, a Jedi who was in the Jedi Academy had to go into hiding and now has been recruited to try to rebuild the, the Jedi order. And it takes place probably about 15 or 20 years before um, episode, the original episode one, now episode four. Um, Great game, good gameplay. I really enjoyed playing it. Um, I would recommend anybody who wants to play it and play it for cheap, just sign up for their EA play on Xbox or PlayStation. You can, it's $5 a month. You can play this game for free. That's how I played the entire Mass Effect trilogy too. And I didn't have to like spend 30 or 40 bucks to do it. Um, so Jedi, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, that's my pick. And the second one is, you guys are going to fucking hate me for this one, but oh, yeah. it's Formula One. Um, so they are coming back from their summer break. There's been a lot of shenanigans that have happened over the summer break where um, a two-time world champion is leaving the team that he came up with. He effectively said, this team is shit. I don't want to ride for them anymore. Um, and is now going to another team that is equally shit, but he sees a lot of potential in. They're going to a track called um, Spa in Belgium, which is a very cool track to watch races on. It's one of the older tracks. It's one of the larger ones. It goes through the Ardennes Forest. 
And I would recommend that if you're trying to get into Formula One, this is a great place to see it because the races have always been good. So if you're looking to watch the race, it's at 9 a.m. on Sunday, August 28th. And there's going to be an interesting um, fight to see who wins this race because the cars are evenly matched in the uh, Formula One regulations have stipulated that some teams may have been running illegal cars. And now we'll see a more even field. So the uh, the Belgian GP brought to you by Rolex is Sunday at 9 a.m. Give it a watch um, for all of our Formula One fans out there. I, I was like semi-pilled until you said brought to you by Rolex. And... Well, it's technically, <laughs> it's technically the Formula One Rolex Belgian game. Grand Prix. <laughs> I was like, this this is too rich for my blood. <laughs> it is certainly a rich man's game, for sure. If, if you were hoping that it was going to be like the European version of NASCAR, you were very mistaken. I was I was going to say, do you get like a free Rolex like when, when you walk into the park? I am confident better. that somebody does. Someone's getting a free Rolex that day. But it's not us. <laughs> even though, even though like if they gave that out to like the winner of – of the race, they would just be like, Oh yeah, put it in the drawer with the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of these dudes have so many fucking like watches and Richard Mill watches and things like that. It's uh they don't I think need it. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got my funny, PJT, so. <laughs> funny thing about Spa is actually it was where the the headquarters for Kaiser Wilhelm the second was during the first world war. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah. Well, that does it for an episode, another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. Um, we appreciate any feedback or thoughts you have. So if you could do us a favor and go on to your favorite streaming platform and just give us a rating or review. Um, there is a fantastic review of the greatest podcast ever currently on Apple Um Strongly encourage anybody who is able to top that review. I challenge you to do it. Give us five stars on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, Google Play, all that shit. Um, spread the word. Tell your friends. You know, Tell your parents. Tell your neighbors. All of the folks. We can't do this show without all of you. And you can also follow us on all the major social media platforms as well. Mine is LinkedIn. Um, you can go on to, uh, Instagram and find us at second mouse podcast. You can go on to Twitter at second mouse podcast. If you want to share information with us, your picks of the week, your assholes of the week, some topics you want us to cover, go ahead and DM us on Instagram and we will talk about those. And we'll also attribute you to that story. Yes. Yes. And we will see you all next week, folks. So stay tuned. Goodbye. Okay, let's give me a rhythm! Follow me! And then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>